0: The Sexual Life Yes! Hey, this is uh, Steve Maeda And this is the Sexual Life Podcast Brought to you by Thesexuallife.com Hey, this uh, podcast with my buddy Jared Sanchez Who runs the Casanova Crew In Los Angeles It's a legendary group, man It it built up so much momentum uh, You know, in the whole scene And all that stuff of the pickup artist industry Seduction industry um, And a lot of cool stuff It is an awesome podcast where we go over everything. If you want to know about history, gossip, like crazy stuff about my stuff, your stuff, his stuff, it's good, good, good stuff. Um, but yeah, check out the Casanova crew.com. That's his uh, his website, especially if you're in the LA area or California or anywhere in that, that whole gigantic state. And if you're looking to get a website built, go to AwesomeDynamic.com. Talk to Paul. They are the real deal. And don't forget... Don't you ever, don't you ever forget to sign up on the email list at sexuallife.com and we'll take it from there. Let's get this party started. All right, people. All right. This is actually a very, very private podcast, Sexual Life Podcast, that I'm doing with Jared Sanchez, who is kind of a... I mean, dude, you, you can sit here and say that there's, like, legendary shit in the pickup industry, and that's kind of a joke, but, dude, you, you did like a, a really cool th- you're doing a really cool thing and you've done a really cool thing for many years like what like five years you've had the Casanova crew it's,
1: it's been a long time man and thanks for having me on the show dude Um, it's an honor to be
0: on I, I, you just started doing the show right yeah 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 you are actually like the 11th person I think ah, right? sweet. oh sweet yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. do I win something no nah. <laughs> I don't know I, I get to speak at your thing. <laughs> oh,
1: awesome. That's fair. But, but you... yeah, yeah, dude, it's been six years almost since uh, Casanova Crew started. It's uh, it's pretty crazy how everything uh, kind of evolved and, you know, what it's turned into. Dude,
0: um, six years? Wow.
1: Yeah, we started, uh, I got into this shit in 2006, and then I met my wing guy, uh, Curse late 2006 and cc officially began like late two thousand seven. so yeah it's been a while man Time okay flies. man
0: let me just tell you something in 2007 i went and spoke in southern california and i spoke the week after wayne juggler spoke and johnny wolf ran that thing and Ugh. like 50 people came to that and uh this was where you know i like i'll tell you this like i've had times in pickup where I've been I'd say a very lost person or not really happy with my life in my entirety, but one thing that I've always had was that I was like a pretty fair person. And I was like, hey if I'm gonna come and speak, you know, I'm gonna come and speak and he he, I remember he wanted to charge money for it Right. and he did and then uh, uh, how much was it do you remember dude I forget I think it was like 50 bucks yeah yeah th- that sounds about right and he gave me like very little of that which was I was like <laughs> hey look dude I'm I, you know I'm here to speak you know my, my thing was always like that I was going to speak for free or like you know have like a very open ended approach to it like it wasn't right. for profit and um you know, and then as soon as I was done speaking, it was actually really cool. It was a big crowd. You know, it's one of the bigger audiences I've had. It was over fifty people, and well, I got a lot of clients.
1: All, in LA or, or was it, it was in
0: Orange County. Is it was at, like a bowling oh, okay. alley?
1: I remember that one. I, I didn't go to it, but a lot of the CC guys did.
0: Yeah. Really, dude. I got. I actually got a lot of business from it. Like people hired me for a bunch of stuff through it. And he. And after. After I spoke. After we left, he was like, "Hey, man. So we got to talk about the money that you're gonna give me for this. What? And I was like, dude. <laughs> really? Like, I, I. don't know. I mean. So let's. uh, So okay, fifty guys in the audience
1: times uh, fifty dollars to get in. That's. Yeah. So my math sucks here. Like, like two thousand five hundred dollars. Yeah, and I because think he gave, gave me a couple.
0: It? He gave me a couple hundred bucks. I, you know, I'm, I, I don't remember the numbers of, of it. And the thing uh, was is I didn't ask for money. You know, that was the thing. So when he gave me money, I was like, this is a surprise. You know, I didn't really know that people were being charged for it or anything. But that's when I realized like how fucked up layers could be. You know, and, and fundamentally, like I'll tell you this, dude. My core thing with like seduction. I was just talking to these guys at the Austin layer, and I charge money. You know, and I, I say it's a con conflict of interest, me being involved in the layer, but, you know, every once in a while I'll step in and say, like, this is what I think should be done, but for the most part I, I stay out and just will speak and remain as, like, a satellite to it or something, but I don't, I don't really try and feed it um, because I've seen layers get destroyed by, like, the overt capitalism of it because I think seduction, yeah. I, I'm a coach, you know, I'm, I'm like a teacher or I'm like somebody that has had some experiences and can give you advice. And I'll even say that in the pickup industry I give, like, really good advice and in comparison to what's out there, and oh yeah, I, absolutely. I, t- I take pride in it, but at the, at the very most, seduction is something bigger than me, uh, socializing is something bigger than me, and nobody can own it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be a master or anything. Right. But, uh, but, dude, man, so you built this layer. You always had a cool uh, website. You had people oh, really into it, <laughs> and you did it all yourself. And I always thought, when you're on the outside, when you're a guy in Texas and you see this thing, you're like, man. You know this guy is like this big businessman that's oh my god <laughs> yeah, that was my first impression and uh-huh. it was like different dudes you know that, that were a part of your thing were like no man he's cool no dude dude jared is the shit and i'm like whatever man you know and and it, it, it's there's just so much pollution and there's a lot of doubt that that was my first impression and then I, I get to know you and you know what it was dude it wasn't this is sad to say. It wasn't, like, Fuji telling me you were cool. It wasn't, like, uh, I don't know. It wasn't just, like, some of the people that I respected in the industry telling me you were cool. It was actually my, like, clients who I had worked with and really gotten to know telling me you were cool. And it was actually the, the final straw was, like, Greg. Uh, my, is that Mike No, uh, no, no. Greg no, no. is uh, Radio Shock. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah radio clash but, right right um, i know huh? but no no and and also it was it was megatron um who actually lives out here in texas too you know so it was like these guys who were just like no dude i'm telling you he and they're like you're right to have in their 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 thing was like dude the, the industry's so fucked up but dude he's a cool dude he's totally like diy and like you know, you have no idea, so you should really get to talk to him. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, forgive me for being such a wary dude, but, you know, I've had, like, a good relationship with you for, like, the last two, whatever, years yeah, or Yeah,
1: almost, something. like, three years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's it's totally cool, but that was my first impression. But, God, dude, man... The industry is crazy, which I imagine we'll talk about a lot. <laughs> oh,
1: man. As, as we're speaking right now, my, my phone's blowing up with text messages from... Uh, can we call him the, the man who uh, who has no name? I'd rather not give him any publicity. But I think everybody knows who we're talking about.
0: Well, yeah. And look, I'll tell you this. Is... Uh, I've always had a good relationship with Anthony Johnson and uh, who runs the 21 convention and we were in England and I know this guy, I know the guy personally that you're talking about. And there's a lot that I've had good, uh, you know, I don't know him. I'm not like a good friend of him, but I've I've had some like, you know, hard to hard talks with him and known that he's a good person. And he's a friend of uh, James Marshall, who's the Australian guy who, who is like, yeah, so-and-so is crazy. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Actually, we'll call him what Ross Jeffries used to call him, the <laughs> the Swiss Dorf. But uh, I don't even I don't perfect. even I don't even think that of him. You know, he opened up to a lot of stuff. Not even being vulnerable, but just being like off stage contact, man-to-man advice, you know, or, or sharing, you know, his opinions about stuff in my life and his life. And I was like, man, this guy's a good guy, because all you see is the craziness from him, you know, in, in the style of, you know, social dynamics he teaches is is uh, not a uh, you know, not something that I would promote, but I was right. like, oh, this guy, like, and James Marshall was like, no, you don't understand, man. He's he's lived life, and da-da-da, and so, okay, I'll give him a chance. Man, you, you gave me a recording of him, and uh, we just listened to it, it with the Austin guys, and not a lot of the guys, you know, they're in Texas. They don't know who he is, but the guys who are really in the industry know who he is, and they had the same reaction that i had was just like it's sad
1: you listen yeah, to this yeah this is pretty pretty pathetic i mean I when, I when i was get as i was getting them i thought okay this is just going to be like one or two but it was like five back to back and that's not the first time he's done that you know and just to just to protect myself like i i'm kind of in the in the middle like okay should i get a restraining order or not i figure if i post them on the internet at least so, like that kind of gives me some protection
0: yeah. you know Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, all I know is that the the one beautiful thing about Texas is you have one party uh, consent so you can record things easily. But in California, it's a little bit different. But man, if you're under threat. Um, from my, I mean, you can talk to a lawyer. I know some good ones. Um, but uh, if you're under threat, I, I think the understanding is, you know, if you have, feel that you could physically get threat, threatened or whatever, and, uh, and actually that is on the audio that you can record yourself. But you Yeah,
1: follow. that's on a couple of the voicemails. And, I, I mean, I think I'm going to get a restraining order tomorrow morning I just to do it, you know, because I just want to, when someone's in that condition, they're unpredictable. You don't know what they're going to do. And if they're really in that state of mind, like the way it's coming across in those voicemails, like I don't want to take any chance. Chances. And he, he knows where I live, where I work, and he knows my family, and I just—I don't want to take any chances at all. I just want to kind of, you know, get that restraining order, and then that way have some assurance that, I you know, I have some kind of protection in case he decides to, you know, do something stupid. And, you know, I don't want to get into it too much. Actually, last night, I, I did a podcast with Khan from uh, Casanova Crew, and I did one with Hydro, and we spent two hours analyzing the voicemail and talking about the whole history of the feud and all that bullshit, and... When I went back in to do the post-production and add in the funny sound effects and all the other shit I put on my show, it made me fucking sick hearing my own words. Like, I, throughout the course of the show, I had basically stooped to his level, talking all the same shit, and I just don't want to, I don't want to do it no more, man. I just thought, you know, I told Khan and Hydra, you know what, guys? I I don't know if we should even put out the show. I don't want to be presenting myself in this way. Um... I just lowered myself to his level basically so we all agreed okay we're not going to release this one we're going to focus on positive shit and kind of let this just blow over let him fade into obscurity and just take the higher road.
0: Man let me tell you let me tell you this dude and this is what it comes down to because I've always had you know and there's aspects there's my life my life paints the picture for the shit that happens and I don't necessarily mean that in a karmic way although you could interpret it in that way or whatever but dude I've always had like drama in my life I've always Played a part in drama in my life, whether it came from like straight up abuse, you know, like uh, in that, for instance, it's like my first girlfriend got kidnapped, she got raped, all this fucked up shit, and uh, you know, you're a victim in that, or she's a victim in that, we were both victims in that. But me holding on to that and letting it shape, you know, the the overall essence of my life was, like, my responsibility and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so there's always a part that that happens in your life. But fuck, man, what is so weird is in the industry – well, in pickup in general, like – when you get to so much of it we 're hiding behind so much because we 're afraid of of being ourselves we 're afraid of sex right. we 're afraid of socializing, whatever the fuck it is we 're afraid of being you know made fun of you know like a lot of the times the, the reason why I wanted I- advice and pickup like i didn 't realize this at first, but it 's like because dude i just didn 't want to be rejected you know I, I wanted to have the answers so that I could like have like good interactions with women and feel good about myself because i didn 't want to be hurt and we don 't come to that, and I think the more you get in touch with whatever in this industry like for instance uh, a big thing is Rob Judge and uh, you know guys like Mark e- Entropy or whatever are like I'm dropping out of the community it's so polluted and fucked up dude I've been saying that for years but I am now staying in the community going like no man l- let me tell you the seduction industry is fucked up but seduction is beautiful the industry is fucked up all the techniques in seduction are great like whether whatever it is like even if it's naked. Or teasing, like those techniques can all work if you have the right mentality. Yeah. But people's pollution of wanting more control, fear of themselves, and dude. On that audio, that's what you hear from that guy, and it's just sad. You see this, like, it's like, fuck, man, I've been there. I've been there when, you know, uh, I was belittled, you know, and, you know, I was a kid, like, me and my brother were pretty, like, pretty, like, tough kids, and, you know, all this sort of stuff, and, and but, and we never really got bullied, but my mom used to bully me, and when, you know, she would, like, get all, you know, whatever, and I'd cry and lose my shit, and, you know, and my mom may have been, like, overstepping the boundaries, and she may not have been, but uh, it to me, it was like a big deal, and, man, when I hear that guy's voice, and what he's saying, and he won't stop, I'm just like, dude... Man, I'm so sad for you. <laughs>
1: I, I've heard it myself pretty much like maybe like ten times. Just cause I, every time I hear it, I just can't believe what I'm listening to. And, you know, for you guys who who don't know, who maybe want to know why he left those, what what set him off. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about this on my show. I, I'm not going to do a show till uh, another couple of weeks. So I'm going to interview Bravo. So this is all I'm going to say about this is um, what caused the, the whole meltdown was basically – he wasn't invited to speak at my event. There are certain people who don't want him there. The majority of people who are speaking at this event would rather he not be there and his business associate. So, you know, after all the fucked up shit he's done to me, like, I, I, I'm i not worried about it. I, I told him, you know what, I, I can't have you speak at this. And he fucking flipped his shit. And, you know, I saw his wife on Facebook, and she's a good friend of mine, too. Okay, five years ago when I first met this guy, I would go out on all of his boot camps. I was his assistant. And he would make me and her carry all of his shit, all of his bags with DVDs and CDs and the tripod and the fucking camera and notes and whatever else he had. Like, you know, we had to carry it. He's walking in front of us, you know, prancing. And, you know, I went through a lot of shit with this guy, you know, with her. You know, we both were pretty much taking his shit because, you know, I didn't know any better. I'm starting off in the game. I'm trusting him. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, this is like a boot camp and I got to put up with some shit. But in the end, it's going to pay off. And I endured a lot of stuff that today, man, I would not fucking never do. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like there was times when he would invite me on stage to, to say something and he would invite me up there and just give me his empty uh, Red Bull can and hand it to me and say, okay, that, that's all. That's all I need you for. Go back down. You know, shit like that. It was uh, ridiculous. So um, I saw her on Facebook and I, you know, she's my friend. I haven't talked to her in a couple years and I just said, hey, what's up? And we had a very nice little chat and, and that was that. And I invited her to come over to our seminar. She knows a lot of the speakers. She's been around for five years. She knows most of you guys and good friends, and I thought it would be nice for her to kind of come back and say hi to everybody, right? And that was it. And she's like, OK, yeah, I might come down. It's my birthday that weekend. And, and that was that. So I guess she, she still talks to him. They're separated. But um, she, I guess, let it slip that, I, you know, me and her were chatting on Facebook. And that's when he lost his shit and started, you know, all this stuff and all the voicemails. So he's trying to tell anybody who'll listen that I'm harassing his wife, that I'm trying to turn her on him or trying to do shit to her. Which is fucking ridiculous to lie and you know, she'll even back me up on this. And actually as of today she's contacting him to tell him to leave her out of it because he's trying to use her as an angle, as a crutch, to kinda of have some kind of a some kind of evidence or proof that I'm this fucked up guy who's trying to make me to be but Dude, it's
0: just so crazy. You know, I'll tell yeah. you this, man, is that this is actually uh, the same thing happened to Anthony Johnson because he he did some stuff which was stepping over the boundaries of the 21 convention and I, you know, I mean, like I, I've spoken to that convention for a long time, know Anthony really well, know all the cameramen, you know, knew everybody that was there in England and he wouldn't get off stage and he was being really rude to <laughs> Mike the cameraman um, and also to Anthony Well, he was on stage and other people's couldn't speak because of it and then when somebody spoke next he actually got the crowd to buy his shit in the back and anthony was like dude don't do that it's interrupting the speakers so after that anthony was like hey look man i can't i'm not going to invite you to the orlando one and then Mm he same shit he flipped out went off yeah i
1: read those emails i mean it's pretty vicious and pretty much the the same kind of a vibe that, that he was throwing at me So it's a pattern with this guy. It's not like an isolated incident. There's there's other people, too, and I'm sure they're going to come forward pretty soon.
0: Well, you know, at the time, you you know, here's what it comes out to, man. It's like there's a level of hurt that I can relate with and have compassion towards, and, uh, you know, there's no doubt it's wrong. But when it's that kind of hurt, you can just go like, man, I I, I just hope, hope you resolve it. You know, I hope whatever... Changes, You know, that's that's all I can I can really say. Uh, this is something that I've never really supported in his style of pickup or, or whatever the hell it is, you know, that he's doing. But, you know, I've, I've talked to the guy and was like, oh, this guy is not such a bad dude. But, you know, and I talked to that guy that weekend of the 21 convention in England. And then, you know, Anthony pulled me aside and he said, hey, what should I do? He's doing this stuff. And I'm like, dude, man, you, you need to put your foot down for your convention. I think the guy's yeah, a good absolutely. guy. But you need to you need to say, hey, man, maybe you maybe you should just leave, you know, because you're cock blocking other people. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's it affects everybody. We we, nobody, you know, it just takes away from other people's speeches or whatever. So he, you know, I just told Anthony, I'm like, look, I, I talked to the guy. You know, I've talked to him at conventions and been friendly with him or whatever. But he, uh, man, you know, stand up for your convention and I support you. And then when all the drama happened, I was like, dude, like, I told him to stop. I was like, hey, dude, stop. Anthony's not talking shit to you. Like, stop. And But I don't know.
1: Oh, he, he's, he's relentless. He, he won't stop. He'll, he'll send 40 text messages in a row and not just, like, brief little sentences. I'm talking essays, like, hours yeah. of him typing shit. And it's like, fuck, man and really, like, you have nothing better to do. Well. So I, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm kind of done with it. I, We try to reconcile. You know, we had a... I don't want to name him, but there's another uh, famous PUA coach who kind of stepped in and wanted to, you know, squash the beef with us. And we had dinner, and I thought everything was cool. And then, you know, and then all this shit happened. So I'm just done with it. You know, I don't want to have anything to do with the guy, and I want to do my own thing, focus on my own events, my lair, and and move forward and just kind of leave this shit behind. You know, and, I, and I've done like three podcasts on this guy. I think I've given him enough attention, and he's he's going through his shit. And I hope he, he's okay and that he gets better and that you know he he comes out of this better somehow. But I I just don't want to focus too much attention on it. It's just too much, man. I mean, getting all these messages, all these voicemails, like, it kind of – it's it's draining on me, you know?
0: Yeah, so, dude – okay, so, whatever, man. We've been talking all this shit. Everybody listening to this is like, God, PUA gossip, a bunch of bitches. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, okay, so let's talk about, like, life stuff because you're a guy that, like – I mean, we don't really talk that much, but you, you – Man, you have, like, a a real life. You started this Casanova crew thing, but, like, even aside from that, um, I I don't know, and this is one thing that I've always respected about people is that you – you had potential to make a lot of money off of the layer you cultivated, and you didn't. And I remember you were like, well, hey, dude, uh, you know, my family has a business. I got to go back to work and all that sort of stuff. And I think... Actually, let me give you a story that, that paints this picture even better because I don't know all the specifics of your your situation, uh-huh. but sure. I had this buddy. He was actually... Uh, he worked for Mystery Method a little bit as, as an instructor. Maybe as an assistant instructor or whatever. And uh, uh, he he lived in Germany, and he was an old old school student of mine. Um, and, you know, Mystery Method hired him for something, and he would tell me, he's like, man, all the guys who I work with that are instructors, there's like something wrong with them. And I had hung out with them in Germany and stuff, and we were just really good friends, even though there was all that lawsuit shit. And he, I remember he was like, well, I don't know, you know, he always had pride in himself. He's like, well, I don't care about He's like, all they would talk about is the women they get, the how much money they're gonna make in business, and how much better they are from other people. And he's like, I don't care about stuff like that, you know. And he he'd get really frustrated with life, and I'd be like, man dude, his name's Dominique. And I would say, Dom, dude, you're like my fucking idol, man. You raise your two little brothers. You're like 25. And you were like a pickup instructor for a big company and, you know, did your own thing or whatever. But your mother, his mother had cancer and he supported her. And he like, when he would be around these guys in the industry, I mean, seriously, dude, this guy is like a big time hero. I actually asked him to do the podcast with me. And, you know, he's like, well, I'm not so into, the community, I'm like, dude, man, it fucking has nothing to do with pickup, just like, this has to do with life, you're like a fucking, you dropped everything from when you were like, and I'm putting words in his mouth, but it was like from 20 to 26, 27, to basically raise his fucking family, and last year... Uh, 2011, his mother passed away, and he would, you know, give me updates and stuff, and, um, and I was like, man, like, you know, I'm really sorry, you know, da da da. da is there anything I could do? And the one thing I thought, man, just from knowing him, and this is kind of crazy, was like, man, you know, that's that's good, because at this point you had so much pressure on yourself that you could just open up and, like, really live life. And I, I didn't say that directly, you know, because it's, like, really a fucked-up thing, but this is a guy who, like, sacrificed everything. You know, life hit him in the face. Like, we're, we can't fucking plan on life. Like, shit happens. And he he did what, like, a real man does. Like, in pickup, you're always trying to be alpha or some shit, but he did what a, a real fucking man does. And I've always thought about that. You know, when people are fucked or in the straights or in, in something where they have to make a change, the true marriage, to a human being is the ability to change you know and the older you get the harder that can be and uh, somebody who kind of like sacrificed their adolescence and all that sort of stuff but, but I remember you know it was like you went back to work you were like oh man yeah, you know, I'm working with my family and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, but, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, there was part of me that, that kind
1: of hoped that I could make a living off of doing, you know, Casanova Cruise somehow in a way that would benefit everyone because, I mean, I spent a lot of hours on everything from organizing, you know, ma- maintaining the website. And when you have a layer of, you know, fucking hundreds of guys, I mean, it takes up a lot of your time. You know, you're doing a lot of administrative things and, you know, setting up uh, meetings and outings and things like that. So I always kind of hoped that I could find some kind of middle ground where I can justify making a living off of CC somehow that, you know, everybody can kind of accept and respect. And, you know, when the time came where I just realized, you know what, it's not even, um, I wasn't making much at all. I think the most I ever made in a seminar was just like a a grand or, you know, a couple grand or something like that. I you know I wanted to go back to work and get something stable I didn't want to rely on pickup I didn't want to be a coach um I wanted to go back to work so I got laid off in 2009 and I was fixing computers I was working in IT and um just doing like networking stuff and I did that for maybe like five years and in 2009 I got laid off and I thought you know okay this is my chance you know I'll have this free time to kind of find a way to monetize this you know whether it be selling products or um you know, affiliate stuff, and I had an AWeber account and all that stuff like all the gurus have and stuff, and at one point, I just thought, you know what, I just don't want to, I don't want to do this, I want to, you know, go go back to work, and, um, you know, I gave it a shot, and I tried to apply for computer jobs, but that's when the economy, you know, tanked.
0: And yeah, really especially California, dude, it. Jesus Christ. Yeah,
1: it's 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 really hard, man, I mean, you know, I work at the mall right now, and uh, across the street from where I'm at, there's a Cold Stone ice cream place, I don't know yeah. if they have those over in Texas, yeah, of course, but... Yeah. Um, I remember the other day There was like 30 fucking kids there For like a group interview And I was like Fuck man That's how hard up Everybody is Like 30 fucking people For this one position Or however many That were opening up You know right. So it was really hard And you know Having an AA degree didn't, you know Is like n- No better than Having a diploma From high school So I was really You know I didn't have all The, the fancy certificates And stuff Like I knew How to do a lot Of the things But I just didn't Have the certificates To back it up So I couldn't get Into the type of job That I had before So um, my, my father He actually owns A chain of jewelry stores in Arizona, and, you know, he wanted to help me out, so he presented me with the idea of having my uh, my own business, you know, which is always what I wanted to do. You know, I don't like having coworkers or bosses. I never fit into that mold. Even when I was fixing computers, I just wasn't very social, you know. I didn't, I couldn't fit into the office environment and having, you know, deadlines and having people, you know, tell me to do this and that, and the coworkers, I just, I was just antisocial, you know, there's like... Also, like the way I was, you know, before pickup and everything, and what made me discover it. But, anyways, um, my father, he, he offered to help me out to start my own business, and he helped me with a setup cost costs, and um, I sold different things, but now I'm I'm doing body piercing jewelry, and I actually do piercings at the mall. You know, I pierce, uh, you know, I do ears, you know, lips and belly buttons and eyebrows Dude, and all man, that stuff. You got to
0: meet, okay, this is some crazy shit, man. You got to meet my buddy, Mikey Miller. He is from, uh, he lives in Fullerton, but he is one of the original old school piercers way back in the day, and he used to do demo shows for Trent uh, Reznor. Uh, when, you know, like 1992 or something, you know, when, when, uh, Nine Inch Nails was like all crazy. And he, dude, he's an, he's one of the most amazing dudes that I've ever met. He, uh, he like, wasn't like ran away from home, was in like juvenile hall or something, you know, never graduated from shit. And he actually won an inventor's award. Dude, I I need to interview this guy, but I, I used to live at one of his houses in Fullerton and he, uh, he was just an amazing guy. And, uh, Dude, you see
1: that guy that has the that puts the skewers through his shoulders and he, he like hangs himself from from the
0: ceiling? Well, he doesn't do it anymore, but he used uh-huh. to do it. Like, uh-huh. long okay, up, I think I've heard of him ago. But anyway, dude, this guy is—he has like you—you you never know he has tattoos. Like, he looks just like some white dude <laughs> that's like named uh-huh. Kip or something. And uh, you can ask Mike about anything. You can ask him about guns, to organic gardening, and he would like go off. Or <laughs> the guy <laughs> is is pretty amazing, but.
1: Yeah, I never thought I'd be doing piercings. Actually, uh... My, my father kind of talked me into it because he's been doing piercings at his store for years. He has a jewelry really? store, wow. so he does like ear piercings. He uses the, the piercing gun. Yeah. And he, he suggested it, you know, since you're selling this body piercing jewelry, you should do piercings on site, you know, get your license and talk to them all. So I did all that, but by the time it came for me to do my first one, I was fucking nervous. Like, I'm fucking thinking, like, okay, I'm putting a hole through a person. I don't want to fuck up. I'm using needles and all this shit, and I'm just like, fuck, I was just really stressed out. And my dad, you know, calling me out, and oh come on, you puss. You can do but, you know dude so, the so first, the yeah first
0: yeah go ahead go ahead go the, ahead, go the ahead. first
1: one i did was a 4 year old girl <laughs> what? Is that legal? <laughs> Jesus Yeah, well, Christ. She, you know, she came with her mom and you know, they signed the consent form, and a lot of, you know, when, when babies are newborn, they even do the piercings, you know, like the, the, the fucking day they're born. <laughs> so it, it's pretty common, you know, so I was just like, fuck, out of, out of all the first uh, customers I could have possibly had, it's a four-year-old girl, you know what I mean? So I was nervous as fuck, you know, my hands shaking, but you know, I practiced on, you know, on shooting other things and stuff, using the piercing guns, so I felt comfortable using it. It was just it's the first time I'm putting a hole through a human being, and it's a kid, you know, like this, and she's looking at me and, you know, and trusting me that I'm going to take care of her, and I'm like, fuck, man. But everything turned out cool, you know. I did, like, you know, nothing, and I've done hundreds of them now. So, you know, every now and then I still kind of I get weary doing little kids. I, I'd rather not, actually, like if they're under, you know, 10 or whatever. But, you know, at this point, you know, I, I kind of like it, and it's, it's something I never thought I would do, you know. So, dude, let me
0: ask you this, because, like, you were in uh, – you – you you say your layer had hundreds of people, but you really had thousands of people that you could act. Oh
1: yeah, your... at one point we had like three thousand, and you know we had chapters in uh, Boston, uh, New York, all over Southern California, and that's where the bulk of the people are. But there was even talks of opening one up in Toronto. You know, back in the peak of it. Um and then Seattle and Oregon, and we have one in Las Vegas too, so it's pretty crazy how it spreads so fast. yeah,
0: you had like the most active thing yet you didn't capitalize on it and I think this is something which is so fucking interesting, man when you hear like 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 for myself, man, I've just had so much the I, I love and hate the pickup industry. Like, I could talk shit on it for... for hours. Uh, same here,
1: dude. But I, in the end, I just love everything about it. The, the bizarreness, the, the theater of it, and
0: fucking everything, dude. But, I mean, dude, man, it was the thing that allowed me to have the biggest changes in my life, man. You know, like, w- where I could come to peace with myself at certain things. And yep. I think a lot of it is it confronted me with so much contradiction of myself. Like, women. You know, it was like, well, I want to control them. I'm gonna fuck them, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the way we start out. That that, that's the mentality and and the way that the sales copy was written back. Yep. At least back in my day and in 06, 07, that's what it targeted. That's what it promised, and that's the mentality that you were expected to have when you're when you're doing this shit. And it's changed a lot over the years, but back then that's the way it was.
0: But dude, man, I mean, it like it really taught me the thing was how to love women, you know, or how to have good experiences and like, you know, and, and, and to balance out the meaning of like, you know, it could, it's okay to have misogyny. It's okay to be misogynistic in, in certain ways, but like I needed to find that in myself, you know, like, you, you know, it was like I was texting a girl the other day and, uh, you know, this girl, like I'm going through like a lot of shit in my life. That's like, uh, you know, crazy, uh, you know, dramas are always happening or whatever. Yeah. So like,
1: I being stalked by a uh, five foot uh, midgets from France? Yeah. yeah
0: it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not France, man. It's, it's, it's EC Swiss, but um, there's, a, there's a difference, man. There's a difference. But yeah. but anyway, no. The uh, the thing is, it's like I was I was talking to a girl, you know, about this, and it was like really good, man. One of the things I love about women is that you know, when when you have good women in your life, when you have like solid women in your life, they they fucking back you up, man. They like. They give you emotion. Like every girl I talk to who I would ever be attracted to is like, man, I, I like a really strong and confident man. You know, pick up guys are always trying to be alpha. But they're like, I love it when I can be there in that one window of a man where, you know, I, like I am like the wind beneath his wings. And like I was, I was talking to this girl about this stuff. And uh, there's just like a lot of stress and all this shit that I was going through. And the thing was is I was talking to her. And it, it was fucking real – like it was fucking helping me out. And I remember later that night I was hanging out with my buddies and I'm like, dude, check this text message out. Look at this exchange. Oh, man. And you know, I'm talking shit like a dude. And I think uh-huh. in pickup, that's guy talk. That's guy talk. Yeah. My, my conversations talk, yeah. with that girl were genuine and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, sometimes it's like you have sex with a girl and you're high-fiving your buddies. That's guy talk. But somehow in the pickup industry, it's like, well – you know or, or whatever it is it 's American fucking culture, and the pickup industry took advantage of it is it 's like well, wait a minute. That's the naughty side That you're supposed to feel bad about in seduction And let's empower the shame and fear And get more manipulative and deceptive about it But dude What I think people gotta come to And it's like really my anthem It's like fuck man there's no shame in sex If you wanna like fuck chicks in bars And fucking have them suck the period blood off the dick or whatever, (laughs) Like you can't be You you start thinking there's shame in that Then the only thing you're gonna get out Is your own shame and their own shame You know Mm -hmm. But there can be beauty Beauty, you're robbing the beauty of those experiences. And of course, sex doesn't only have to be that. But like, fuck, dude, there's so much beauty to the the capability of all this stuff. Anyway, I don't know. But no, I agree, man. Definitely. Yeah, my my thing is just, dude, man. The we're at such a a point in the industry where I hear these guys going like, we're gonna drop out, and it's like, man, really? No, dude, that's like.
1: You mean like coaches or students or?
0: Well, students have always, like, kind of dropped, but coaches, like, Rob Judge is, like, his big thing is at the 21 convention I'm going to, you know, announce that I'm getting out of pickup. And, you know, uh, uh, I I probably shouldn't say some of the people that I've talked to, but they're, like, I'm done with it. And I'm, like, really? You don't know, man. I mean, that's your choice. Do it. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, I think you just haven't seen the light. You just haven't seen
1: Like, what are most of the reasons that, that you hear that they're wanting to give it they up for? They say that like... it's
0: sleazy and that uh-huh. it do- – and these are, like, sexually aggressive guys that it promotes a bad thing. The guys mm-hmm. that, you know, want to learn from them are just, like, these taking, like, you know, manipulative – Like d- leeches. Yeah, something. yeah, and I and I can see it in other instructors. Other other people that are marketing with them are, like, some of the most dirty people. And I agree. I'm like, yeah, dude, they're fucking – at like, for instance – um, uh. Man, I probably, I can't say their names, but one of the guys who, they sell a sex product, they actually hit me up. Me and Nick, Nick Rogue were were doing this thing. It's really cool, man. I'm not a good marketer. And we've actually talked about this. You were were actually talking with Owen and stuff about marketing stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm not a guy who wants to be a good marketer. And actually, this is something I want to talk to you about a lot. But, like, uh, you know. Nick was like, hey, dude, I'll help you out. He's a really, really cool thing and just a really good guy. And he has a really sexually aggressive like uh, message out there and all that sort of... But, yeah, same night, Liz. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he is a good dude, man. Our podcast, all we talk about is like traveling and the mentality of living right and all this sort of stuff. It's really cool, man.
1: Is he the co-host on your, on your regular podcast? No, like, no. For all he, 11 episodes?
0: Or? No, no. He's on the 10th episode. He's the one right before you. So uh, you guys okay. will come out right next to each other. But... Um, Um, Dude, it's like... He, uh, it's a really cool podcast. But um, we were talking about these these guys. They hit me up and they said, "Hey man, you know, do you have an affiliate link for your thing?" And I was like, "Oh cool man! If these guys market for us, they have a huge presence in the community." But these are guys that I kid you not, man. And, and dude, don't get me wrong. They offered it to me. They said, "Hey Steve, you're doing something cool. Um, you know, what's your affiliate deal?" And they said, "Where are the reviews?" And I'm like, "Well, because it's a first time product, we don't have reviews. But I can have you personally." talk to whoever. And I was also like, you live in Austin and you've met my guys and you know my shit's good. And uh, he's like, well, I don't know. And then it goes into this proving thing where I got to prove myself to him. And I, and I and I told Nick and I'm like, and he was going like, dude, seriously, if they're being assholes, fuck them. I don't care if they have it. And he was really, it was awesome that he said that. And I said, yeah, dude, I almost wanted to say to this guy and this is a true story. I'm like, remember your birthday two and a half years ago when I brought two girls over to fuck you? And it's a true story. Man, and you were fingering them, trying to do your dirty talk that you sell to people, and you eventually said like, "Oh, and we we, we videotaped it, dude." Oh, and th- it, This is the craziest thing. We videotaped <laughs> it, and uh, and he he's like he he's like, "Hey, stop!" And then me and this other dude ended up like, and, and they were I don't know. I mean, this is odd to say, and if I had these girls on the podcast today, they're friends of mine, and uh, you know, they were they were my chicks. You know, <laughs> and uh, and so we hooked up with him, and I'm like, man, you are making him feel bad by not finishing, like, what the fuck? And like, and you're the guy denying fucking, You saying that your list might think that my shit's fraudulent? Dude, you're a fucking fraud, man. And this you, is can like... Can you give us a clue of who he is, or? Well, um, if there was a, if you could match sex and some sort of deity and then a system behind that, that would be. Uh, uh, okay. So just imagine that. Gotcha. <laughs> the first word's the same. But um, but uh, but anyway, like, dude, man, uh, like, so, so anyway, but they're like running me through the ringer, and and uh, uh dude, that's exactly what that what like the the problem with the industry is and so when you deal with that you just start to go like man what am I doing? What the fuck am I doing? Why am I trying to bargain with these people? Why am I in this industry where the instructors are polluted? Then there's like and this isn't all the clientele, but then there's this clientele which is just angry and frustrated and has like, you know, all this sort this unwillingness to look at themselves and then you start thinking you're sleazy and what I'm telling like some of those guys I'm like, dude, no, man, you are like, th- that's not it. There, there's the problem is the industry, and this is where like it's got to change. And like, this is why I'm like, more than ever, I kind of want to send out a message and say, dude, this is great. This is fucking awesome, you know? And, and I think what's what, one of the reasons why I want to talk to you, and like, look, this, this is who I've interviewed, and I've interviewed Arden Lee, who's a female seduction coach, which was actually really cool, uh, Hypnotica, Nick Quick. And, and you, and that's really all that's come down to in the industry and, and there might be some more, but I'm not like actively trying to find out like other instructors but one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you was because it's like, dude, you were at the point where you had more leverage in what could be called power. You had the LA market and, dude, you never capitalized on it.
1: And I, You know, I, I didn't uh, I, I didn't come into this as a marketer, the whole thing. It happened organically, as natural as, as it could. You know, just guys who watched the TV show, who read the book, and we just found each other. You know, there was a thing called the SoCal layer back then. Yeah. And then uh, a lot of us on there didn't really like the way it was being run, and we started our own thing. You know, Casanova Crew was a split off from that layer, and we began our own thing, and I... You know, started it myself. I hosted the meetings in my apartment every Wednesday uh, for two hours. Then afterwards, we'd go in sarge. We'd go to downtown Fullerton, which I know you're familiar with. Yeah. We'd go all over the place. You know, Hollywood. We'd go to fucking just wherever, whatever club we wanted to go to. We'd all go together. We we're rolling like thirty guys deep. And, you know, we'd have these meetings and just kind of it wasn't just like, okay, what method do you know? Uh, Let me teach you this method. It became like a support group where we were spilling our guts to each other, like where we came from, why we're insecure, what's bothering us. Like we got down to the fucking nitty gritty. And when you leave these meetings, like it wasn't just like, okay, I learned this tactic or technique. It's like I opened myself up and I shared, you know, a lot of the, the feelings and insecurities and fears a lot of these people in the same room are feeling, too. And it felt like, okay, I'm not alone in this. I got a brother, you know, I got my wingman, I got the CC, and they're going to back me up, and they, they know where I've come from, and they know my pain, and it's like, it was almost like, you know, you've seen Fight Club the movie, it, it started kind of like that, you know, just real natural, it wasn't with the intent of, okay, we're going to become this big mega group, and, you know, as the meetings went on, more people heard about them. And the word spread, and before we knew it, we had fucking, you know, almost 50 guys packed into my little apartment. You know, I had a a one-bedroom studio in West Covina. And at that point, we had to split off in chapters. You know, I said, you know, this is too much, man. Guys driving from San Diego, from fucking Vegas. One guy drove all the way down from Oregon once, dude, just for one meeting. Just from hearing word of mouth of these secret underground uh, pickup meetings, right? So before we knew it, I think the first year we had fucking, like, you know, 300 people you know within the span of just starting out like you know 5 months prior yeah so i had i had no idea it was going to spread like that and then we we had a website but it wasn't the one that That it is now is like a private site that you had to kind of get approved. And, you know, back then we were kind of screening people as they came in. But then the idea just came up, you know, just fucking open the floodgates. Whoever wants to join, whoever has our ideals, our our principles, our our ethics, let them join. Let them become part of it. And if there's enough guys in a certain location, let them form their own chapter as long as it's based on the same stuff. And money was, was not involved at all. It was like a fucking amazing thing for for a long time with with no money being exchanged no commercialism until you know I started meeting a lot of the coaches and the site got bigger i had more responsibilities i had a job i had to put more time into the site and just leading the crew and kind of you know giving them direction and guidance and running it almost like it was very organized you know one time we had like nine chapters running all at the same time, and they all have their meetings, you know, Wednesdays at 9, that was, like, like our thing. And some guys would even, like, you know, webcast to each other and say hi to each It was, like, amazing. It was, like, a, the best times we ever had. And we'd go out in the streets of Hollywood, fucking hundreds of us, dude. I mean, after the clubs would close at, say, 3 a.m., you'd see fucking dudes, and we all knew each other because we'd all write field reports. We'd yeah. all write articles. We'd all respond to each other's threads. And everybody would put their actual face as their avatar, so we knew who everybody was. And you always had a wingman, there was no fights, there was no like, okay, there was some like, okay, mogging stuff or whatever, but it was just like when brothers fight, they fight, they have their, their fucking tiff, and then they make up, and it's like, we're all fucking brothers again, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And when the money started getting involved, and you know, putting on bigger events, and the gurus wanted to kind of come in and, and do their talks, and you know, dude, it, it, was, it was like, uh, it was almost like a full-time job running that, and plus my job, so I had a compensate myself and I maybe justified it in my head that it was okay to do. And it was because, I mean, I did put in the work and I was bringing in these speakers and organizing events is like a lot of, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of headaches and a lot of time and dedication to doing that. So I think uh, for a good two years, it was pretty uh, innocent. It was pretty legit. And then I turned it more into a quasi uh, business layer, but I still kept that underground, um,
0: You know, anti-establishment feel to it. Yeah, uh, you know, it's one of the the weird things. Is like, in in business, you can't be in the middle. You know, and I run into the same thing myself. Because I'm like, you you know, what's fucked up, man? When I first started teaching, dude, man, there's so much. Actually, I would love to fucking do uh, 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 some sort of like podcast about. Uh, you know, my entire life, or or whatever, or even like write about it. But there's so many things that are like questionable that I probably I probably shouldn't put out there. Not to say that it's like this crazy extravagant shit, but um, the thing is, is that pickup or working in the pickup industry was the first time people got like vigilant and I'm sure you've heard this before. We haven't talked about it, but they would be vigilant and say like, dude, you have beliefs in yourself that you can't make money or you have beliefs in yourself that keep you failing and in, in like, Mm -hmm. I would be like, really? Well, what? You know, and they're like, well, you should be making so much more money than you could and da da da. da. Oh yeah. I heard that
1: all the fucking time from a lot of these guys.
0: Dude, man, when it comes down to it is like, dude, I I have value values and what i want to do man you know it has nothing to do with that it has fuck that you know the fact that i don't want to rip people off or take advantage of fucking people that somehow i have this flaw or defect and then you're with this like swarm of of instructors that are just like you know take take and have no problem with it I, i gotta tell you man you know how is it that you came in to run like the the largest, most like active, affluent layer that had like a cult following, you know yeah. that that you actually had a sense of leadership, but weren't you didn't step the over uh, you didn't overstep the boundaries of a leader at least from what I saw. Right. And You think I think
1: what what made the difference was that I, I wasn't this mysterious uh, guy with no face behind the scenes that you would never see. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was out there in the muck, in the mud with the guys learning together. And, you know, I, I didn't give a fuck if, if people saw me get blown out. You know, I know a lot of layer leaders, you know, they're really careful of who sees them and stuff. Yeah. These are my friends, dude. I didn't see them as, okay, I'm the leader. These are the guys under me. I knew these guys by their fucking names. I knew their families. We were fucking in this together. Okay, you open that, set. okay, go in there. I'll, I'll, I'll follow you 10 seconds later. We, we, we share the same pains out there. We have the same struggles, and we're all learning together. And they saw that in me. They saw that I was just one of them, too. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, okay, I'm organizing this with the ulterior motives to, to make money somehow. Yeah. You know, we were all one in the same, and we're all fighting for the same cause and watching each other's progression and getting better. And, you know, it was really supportive. And I think that that was part of the reason why it works so well. And for the actual events, like, okay, you mentioned earlier Johnny Wolf was charging, you know, 45, 50 bucks for his layer meetings. He was very consciously running it as a, a business from the get go. Right. You right. know, it wasn't this, uh, I like to compare Casanova Crew to a a subculture movement separate from the actual PUA movement. Casanova Crew was very, uh, how do you say this, it was an enigma somehow that started in Southern California and exclusively in SoCal that it couldn't happen anywhere else. It was that time period, it was the show being on TV at that time, the combination of guys, the stars aligned, whatever the fuck you want to say, it just... Started a, a legit subculture like the way punk rock started. What, by the way, the the, the skinhead subculture started, uh, skateboarding, whatever yeah, other yeah. subversive subculture there is, and that's what it was, man. And I think people recognize that. And when I had my seminars, obviously you got to rent the room, you got to have staff to help out, you know, put up chairs. You can only have so many volunteers that'll do so much. After a while, it's just like, okay, you got to start paying people. You know what I mean? And what I did that was, I think, revolutionary, if you want to call it that, is I started charging five dollars. You come down, you see this famous guru, you pay five bucks, and then as we got, you know, bigger, you know, more crowds, it, it evolved into fifteen bucks. Everyone else is charging, you know, $600 for this, you know, four-hour seminar. Uh, At one point, you know, back when I got into it, I know people were paying two grand for, like, a, you know, six-hour, eight-hour seminar from a a guru. And what I brought to the table was you get to touch the hands of the gurus, come and meet them, sit down intimately. You've been to Captain Hooks a couple times. And this place is not a fancy seminar room out in Hollywood like the one I'm going to do in September. This is fucking the the Fight Club version of Pickup. You know what I mean? It's dingy, it's dirty, it's grungy, it's fucking... You wouldn't want to sleep on that floor... When you look at the walls, it's like you're on <laughs> a different on many planet. Floors
0: worse than, like, man, that's it's uh, happy. I feel at home in those places. <laughs>
1: and, and Donovan, Captain Hook, my, my apologies. Uh, I, I know you you, uh, you, you know, you try to keep it the, the cleanest you can. But when you have, you know, fucking 400 uh, Casanova guys stepping in there, you know, it's gonna get a little messy. Well, he's a
0: great so, guy, man.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. he's awesome, dude. He he he's still kind of involved. You know, he has a girlfriend now, but he still, you know, keeps in touch with the guys and he's on to, to better things. He's actually one of the top world uh, percussionist uh, musicians in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. he was talking to me about it. Yeah, cause I, I was like, dude, man. So you play this stuff? I'm like, have you ever heard of Nias? He's like, oh, I'm such a good friends. He's like, I just had them over <laughs> last week. And but uh, but no, man. But see, this is the thing. When you're talking about a movement, man, movements are already in waiting. The world is out there, and this is the fucking passion that people don't get, man. And, and it's like pickup is all about like, how do you be this badass person? Or there's so much of that promoted and sold. Yet it's the only industry where all of the leaders are these like loner kind of weirdos. And so every once in a while there's like this gem and this is what people don't get about the beauty of fucking humanity man is that everything out there in uh, like i live in a neighborhood in austin and there's like people all around me and they're waiting to be a part of something that is an outlet for their passion and for whatever work you know all the shit that we're involved in in life like we just can't go out there and be be out there and you know and do it and like one of the things is is like capitalism or like you know, people got to make money, dude. You have a business and you make yeah. money and I hope you make money and all that sort of stuff. But when when you get the meaning of what that passion means and it's sadly so rare But you only have to have one thing to make that work is you have to be you have to be pure with it. You have to be organic Mm -hmm. with it. And that's why it's like you could say, All right, Jared's like one out of a thousand, but really you're more than that because so so many people could have exploited LA and built a layer and built a business and people did build businesses and make layers or whatever. But you made one that was successful and I think at times you wanted to make money off of it or or
1: tempted all the time, dude. It's when you're broke, and you know you have that carrot dangling in front of you. But I think I held out long enough to where when I really started making money was when I was putting on multi-speaker events with all of you guys together. No, but you could have exploited
0: it, dude. No, that that's not shit, man. You made what twenty five hundred bucks, or like fuck, even if you made five thousand bucks off of that, man. I mean, I've I've made more off of a seminar that I've not saying that happens all the time, but like Mm -hmm. that, that's what's. That's what's, like, fucking amazing, man. And when you talk about what, you know, the camaraderie that you guys had before, mm-hmm. like, dude, that is so, like, nobody does that.
1: Nobody- and it still exists to, to this day. I mean, that was the peak, you know, 2007, 2008, you know, maybe into the, the first part of 2009, and then things kind of went downhill. But that's across the board. I mean, that was just the economy, all other layers and pickup companies. Everybody saw that that dip. You know, and guys move on from pickup. They don't stay in. It's not something you get into, and, and you're in it for forever. It's like you're in it for a couple of years, if that, and then you drop out either because you give up or you, you move on to better things. You know, you get a girlfriend, you get married, and you just kind of move on. So the people that stay in, it's because they have a vested interest. Either they're, they're a coach, instructor, or, you know, they run a lair like I do and stuff like that. But um, for that time period, man, I mean, I, I don't I don't think that could ever be duplicated anywhere else in that same way. I mean, that was fucking magic.
0: You know? Yeah, but, dude, you stayed in it or you're still involved in it because like, yeah, you believe in something. I mean, like, that that's the thing is, like, you – I mean, shit, dude, I got what I wanted out of the industry in terms of women, like, pretty quick, man. After two years, it was, like, actually a toxicity for me and I needed to change as a person and all sorts of stuff. And that was actually that, – that's one of the things I like about it so much is that it gave me that opportunity. But I'm in it now just because, like, look, man, I can make a living at it. And it, it and it's one of those things where I can fulfill so much, man. I can talk to people, work with people, and like really, you know, what I was telling this layer, I was like, man, I, years ago, like four or five years ago, I visited a layer in Indiana, and I was telling the guys in Austin. Indiana. Yeah, 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 in Indianapolis. And it only had 25 guys. These guys went skydiving together. These guys support. It's like what you described. And I was telling the Austin guys, because they have a divided layer, and I'm like, dude, man, don't have this. Like, come together. First off, both, of all of you guys, like, just for the record, you suck. Like, you're going in circles, and you're fucking thinking that talking to women is like this Fucked up control mechanism and you're not, And they got really offended when I said that. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. You guys do. You suck, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a big difference with guys who work with me and it's not even me. There's a big difference with guys who work with other instructors or work with other people and who do get better and their lives change and a whole lot changes in their lives. And then they don't want right. to talk to you guys. So get past this shit and realize the potential man you could talk about what you're afraid of and and like all the shit that you mentioned you know Mm -hmm. and and
1: and that's still the way that the meetings are run to this day and we don't have all the the nine chapters like before but we still have you know the the main uh, territories if you want to call them that you know la san diego inland empire and uh we have one up in santa barbara right now too but it's still the same thing i mean you know you ever watch wrestling yeah, like, like, like WrestleMania. I ordered the last WrestleMania, and I had guys over here from CeCe, and we're just partying. You know, nothing to do with pickup, just fucking chilling. You know, one guy had to move somewhere, so a bunch of guys helped him move, you know, for free.
0: Dude, WrestleMania. I remember when I was a kid, I used to yeah. watch that,
1: man. Rock, <laughs> do you know who the Rock and Roll Express was? Oh, yeah, Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton
0: <laughs> from Syracuse, New York. Dude, Absolutely, man. Absolutely, they had a good feed with the Midnight Express. Yeah, it's right, dude. And uh, fuck, man. God, dude. The fucking I remember. It's so crazy, cause in uh in Dallas. That means uh,
1: we're the same age. We're, we're <laughs> yeah. <big old>
0: fucks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but dude, man, I remember the first WrestleMania. I remember mm-hmm. Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Fucking oh man, that you was... know he
1: he actually killed his his girlfriend uh, a month before that. Dude. And at some weird loophole, he got out of prison. You guys out there listening, you can look it up on Wikipedia. Jimmy Snuka killed his girlfriend. And I don't know for some reason he didn't get arrested right away, but then and he never got arrested for it. There, there's some weird legal loophole where he he didn't have to get put away.
0: Wow, wow! And the whole remember Vince McMahon used to announce, and then all of a sudden it came out yeah. that he owned it, and then he started oh, wrestling. It was like what the fuck, dude? It was it was like um,
1: yeah, it was weird because you know we're growing up watching Vince announcing and being like the dorky guy, the, with the, the pussy, the- yeah. Yeah Yeah like He's like taking shit From Jesse Ventura And then all of a sudden You know he steps out And he's fucking Cut like a motherfucker He was like Buffer than Steve Austin When they had their feud (laughs) When we took off his shirt I was like What the hell This guy looks like A bodybuilder And he's like 65
0: yeah, 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 man! Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude, that—that that was uh, wrestling was such a—and nu- then you found out how crazy they were, like when uh, the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan got caught oh, yeah. doing cocaine or something like.
1: Yeah, and at the time they, they were feuding on TV, and then they were in the same car. So like back then, it was like a big deal. Like you never have good guys and bad guys. Uh, mingling in public because we got to keep the perception that you know one's the heel and one's the face and all that stuff. So,
0: yeah, dude. I remember, man, crazy shit that's fucking nuts, man. God, dude, God, Yeah, my
1: nephew, he's a uh, he's five years old. And, um, you know, like growing up watching wrestling was like, a p- big part of my life. Like, my grandma would take me to the LA Sports, you know, to watch Hulk Hogan and yeah, dude. you know, Macho Man, Savage. And uh, my, my nephew, he's five, so I kind of wanted him to have the same thing. You know, looking forward to you know next Monday, see what happens. So I took him to a live event uh, over here in um where I'm from, and he's fucking all into it now, man. He has all the John Cena mannerisms down, and he watches this shit on <laughs> YouTube. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. He, you know, my 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 sister, she'll film him, you know, doing his little shtick, like acting like John Cena, and send it to me.
0: So it's pretty cool, man. Dude, yeah, that's fucking crazy. But okay, so man, this is what I want to get into. So like, you you have some like core beliefs and all that sort of shit. But, like, where, do, where does that exist in all of your stuff? Like, when I talk about life or, like, you know, what what gives you meaning and all that stuff, like, where, where does that come from with you? Because, dude, you've done, I mean, you had a lot of potential to be, like, really... That, like exploit a lot of shit you never did yeah. and, and uh, you know when you just hear you talk about what you value and all that stuff it's like you can really cut clear to some like core ideals but like what so I don't know what what do you where do you see yourself in life and all that sort of stuff or what gives well, you like, meaning like, behind all this shit the, the way I was brought up like
1: like socially I always just felt like an outcast like I you know, most of my 20s, I didn't even talk. Like, I'd say good morning to the security guard at work and, you know, good night to my mom, you know, when when I go home. And I was like a mute. You know, I didn't know. I didn't have any friends. And that's the way I was for a long time, man. You know, I just kind of stick to myself and kind of get lost in my own thoughts and my own head. And I became invisible. Like, you know, when you start a job, and I've had 33 jobs in my life because I just couldn't fit into that mold, you know. And, you know, I'd always feel like, you know, I I didn't know what to say. I'd always feel nervous. Uh, How am I sitting down? Who's looking at me? Uh, I'm not wanting to get up to go to the bathroom because I'd get noticed or, you know, put something in the trash because I don't want people looking at me. So I always, like, lived in kind of fear and kind of, you know, paranoia. And I didn't really like people at all. And even, you know, talking to my, my own family, like, I was really shy and it was kind of abnormal, you know. And that's the way I kind of always was, and, you know, I, I still have a lot of that in me, I think. You know, I've come a long way, but I still feel like, you know, I could still relate to that guy on a lot of levels.
0: So what and, changed? How, how did that shit change, man?
1: Um, There was a girl, dude, who who was fucking hot, who I'd never, you know, I didn't really have much experience with women. I mean, I had some, because I had a little sister who would, you know, hook me up and stuff like that when we were younger, you know, in high school, so I had some, you know, experience, but not, you know, like my friends did at that time and stuff like that, or other guys who, who I wish. I could kind of be more like. And I was working at this place and this girl just took a liking to me. I don't know what it was. I mean, I don't know if she felt sorry for me that I was like so quiet or I was just kind of mysterious or what. But she would start hanging out with me during my breaks and not really leave me alone. Like, she'd be you know, obviously, like, throwing herself on me, like, I'm interested in you and stuff, and I just couldn't believe it because she was very attractive, you know, more than I thought I can get. She was a little bit older, though. You know, at that time, I was, I think, 26 or 27, and she was 34, so, you know, yeah, she had a few yeah. years on me and a daughter. What's yeah.
0: That? No. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I'm with you.
1: so you know, I'm just like living in a dream. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? You know, she likes me, and as she gives me more attention, I start opening up more, more than I ever have to anybody else. And I just felt like, wow, you know, this is all these years of pain and feeling like a fucking loser and an outcast. It's all meant for this. And I really thought okay, I'm coming to marry this girl. You know, within a really uh, quick amount of time. You know, within a few weeks, I was already you know planning out my life, thinking in my head, okay, this is what it's all building up to. And you know, I, when I went out with her, I just I was socially inept to, to really do a lot of things. So, the, the first day with her, going out with her, her daughter comes along, her fourteen year old daughter. You know, so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We went to to Universal City Walk and stuff, and I was just, you know, I didn't know how to react. And you know, I, you know, I was okay with kids and everything, but just the awkwardness of it all. You know, it would have been bad enough going out with her one on one. That would have been enough to, you know, make my head explode. But the daughter too, it's like a double whammy. And it's like, oh fuck. Thank you. You know what I mean? So um, with time, I just couldn't handle her being, you know, my girlfriend. You know, I would feel insecure. There was other guys, you know, more muscular and good-looking who would yeah. kind of talk to her. She was friends with, and I just was ill-equipped uh, socially and uh, with experience with women in these situations and in relationships. I just didn't know, really know what to do. So, you know, all I did know was, you know, fear and, you know, uh, being scared, and I thought, okay, I'm going to lose her. So, you know, I was just getting worse, and I think she was kind of disappointed. Like okay, he's not really what, what I thought he was, and it was just kind of fizzling out. So that's when I uh, went on the internet, as most of you guys do when you know you hit the the rock bottom point. And uh, you know I was suicidal at this point, I'm like fuck, you know. So if, you know I can't have her; she's not with me. Then what's what's life for? You know, it's gonna go back to what I was. And when I was with her, I was like fuck, I never have to go back to being that guy. I'm, I'm gonna get better, and you know with time I'll become the man she wants me to be. But it just never you know turned out that way. So I went on the internet and typed in how to keep the girl you know you're losing. That that's the phrase that started a movement. So I put that in there, and all this David D'Angelo shit popped up. You know, and I was like, who the fuck is David D'Angelo? Yeah. not like a porn porn name or something like that. You know. And okay, so you know, in the morning i uh, I had a a file uh, sharing software that was kind of like Napster. It was called a uh, Soulseek. It was built yeah. by the same designers
0: dude i remember that yeah
1: yeah yeah (laughs) so in the morning i would uh download i'd have like okay david d'angelo rsd mystery method wherever i can kind of download illegally of course because you know you guys have all done it who's never fucking downloaded a fucking audio cd i never paid for a pickup product in my life you know to this day so that's why i just downloaded everything
0: you son of a bitch
1: yeah. <laughs> In the morning, I, I said all this shit to, to download. By the time I got home from work, I had fucking, like, you know, 50 gigs of just all this endless <laughs> information.
0: And 50 and gigs like, back oh then was a lot, God. man. God.
1: And, and and back then, it, it was different. Now, the, there's so many uh, products. It's oversaturated. Back then, there was a lot of stuff, too, but it was uh, realistic that you can actually go out there and read everything. Yeah, yeah. And there was only so many people around at that time period. But then you know, years go on, and everyone, you know, all the Johnny Come Latelys that think that they want to be coaches and everything like that. So, I had my iPod, and I would fucking listen to that shit like like an obsession. It lit a fire under my ass I never had before, and I was fucking into it. You know, this is for me. When I would read copy, you know, sales copy, all these websites, I didn't know that it was sales copy. I didn't know that certain words were right. in red because psychologically it would make you uh, have some kind of feeling, or when you click buy. Now and seeing the upsell page, I didn't think that was done on purpose. I thought it was because I this page relates to me, so whatever happens next, it's because that's what's meant to be. And right. I fell for it hook, line, and sinker, man. And I was always kind of the conspiracy theories, and uh, I thought I, I couldn't get fooled by anything. But I, you know, I, I sucked it up, man. I, I fucking read every copy I can read, and I would download, you know, based on what I liked and stuff like that. So. Um, within a few months, you know, I, I read everybody. I I'd, I'd learned whatever I thought I could learn, and I started recruiting other guys actively like at my job and i would slip them you know under the radar and it was really awkward kind of telling guys about this because it's not like the tv show was out this is before the tv show so nobody it wasn't mainstream basically right it was right. just like if you read the book or happened to be you know masf or knew about speed seduction back in the day but it was very it was still like a very obscure thing right so i remember when i met my wingman curse i was like uh, hey dude i want to i want to give you something i want to meet me in the break room in five minutes I think it'll kind of change your life. And he looked at me like, what the fuck is he? <laughs> it's going to make me suck his dick or what? You know? <laughs> so I, you know, I, I that would have
0: really there. changed your life
1: <laughs> for the better. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, dude, uh, here's the CD. It, it's uh, called Real Social Dynamics. I'm not going to tell you what it's about or if it's music or what, but just listen to it on the way back home from work and just tell me what you think tomorrow. The next day he comes to me and says, oh, my God, this fucking is me. He's talking to me. And like we're both like, I know, I know, this is fucking crazy. And me and him both started kind of passing this uh, different CDs out. And Papa, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to illegally distribute your <laughs> one of your uh, best-selling items, but that's the way we did it back then. And, you know, passing around the foundation series for RSD is uh, the way we got people in. And to this day, I think it's one of the, the best pickup products, you know, ever, just the way Tyler was at that time. I know he's kind of changed, like he's more like inner game and talking about, you know, blueprint kind of stuff. But the things he was talking about in Foundations, I just, I sucked it up and everybody else did. It. And that's one of the main reasons why CC started. So, by just by knowing all these guys, all, all the guys in my crew, all my friends, I think I always felt like a loyalty to them. So if I do anything... Um, Because, um, you know, they believe in me and I believe in them and we're all on the same page. So I think they kept me straight. I think they kept me from falling into darker areas of, uh, like you were mentioning earlier, like trying to exploit the crew just for money and running it as a business, you know, right off the get-go. I think um, they, they knew my honesty and I wanted to keep their respect. And there was times where I was very tempted to to do stuff, but I didn't because I knew, okay, they're going to see me differently and I I don't want to lose their respect and I want to do the right thing and I want to be the guy that, you know, the reason why they like me, the reason why they respect me is because I'm this person that I am. And I found myself, I reinvented myself because before I didn't have a personality, I was quiet and I was shy and I couldn't speak. And it was just through uh, these guys accepting me and me accepting them and going out and kind of learning about life together, a lot of us were kind of deprived, you know, throughout our 20s. and we didn't really uh, have much experience till after, you know, well into our late 20s, you know, like in my case. So, I, you know, to answer your question, why, why do I think I, you know, I, I didn't go the same route that most people would have gone is because I, my friends, I was always surrounded by good guys. Yeah, and they're still my best friends to this day. Curse out there, Peter, if you're listening. Richard, Joker, Malta, nice guy, fucking Khan, uh, Chad Cox. I can go on and on, dude. I mean, all these guys are my homies, and even if I don't see them for fucking five, ten years, if I see them again, we we fucking pick it up right where we left off. You know, there's no awkwardness. We all we all know each other, so we're we're all fucking tight.
0: Yeah, dude. And you know, let me tell you a story. Like, even with. Uh, like some of my best friends, dude, come from from the scene. Like one of my, some of my best friends in Dallas, and some of some people that I don't talk to anymore. But like, God, dude, I mean, my, one of my best buddies, dude, he, my buddy Otto, he, like, I met him through the scene, and Jesus Christ, dude, I mean, I, dude, I, I've met, I, I live with a dude who I originally worked with a long time ago, and, um, you know, there's. There, There's some not so great people like on the business side of it, but dude, oh, I was met... a of sharks, man. I mean, fuck. <laughs> but dude, let me actually tell you about Owen because in 2007, this was right before I got sued, man. We found out I was getting sued when I was hanging out with Owen. Um <clears throat> And uh, basically, uh, we went over to Hawaii, and we taught a workshop. And he, he basically taught a mystery method workshop for us. He taught it. You know, and, and he was just really cool and really giving. And I feel that his main purpose there was to tell John, Sin, like, dude, man, I see you doing some crazy stuff. And you might seem a little bit lost. You were really young when you got in this. I was too. And I found a way. Dude, at that time, I had only been teaching for a year and had seen so many bizarre fucked up – everybody was fucked up. Everybody who worked for Mystery Method was fucked up. There was Uh something wrong with them. And there was stuff that I could have liked, but they they had serious problems.
1: Can I ask you this? Uh, The time that you worked for them, um,
0: was Spear there too? No, uh uh-uh. He – well, okay, so one thing that happens – that I mean, the short time I was there, I only had like nine months with them, right? But and I never signed a contract. I mean, it's, like one of the most retarded things. Like they're they're just. The people that run that company, <laughs> uh, but it, they're just so. I mean, it's run by fucked up people. Like, and you just saw that, and that was promoted, and where that came from, and the roots of it, and how it spread. And actually, Spear came in during that time, but the mystery method had been divided so much. Like, uh, you know, it, basically how I saw things happening, and this was so obvious, is that. Guys like Mr. M were brought to the U.S. to and intentionally given more workshops than Sin and Future. And then, uh, you know, so Sin and Future would be pissed off at Sheriff. And the groups were played against each other all the time. I didn't like Sheriff. Yeah, they're all fucking. Yeah, he was weird. Dude, like, I'll tell you what, like, you know, Chris, 10 Magnet good guy, Mm -hmm. nice guy. I wouldn't say the greatest with women, but dude, that fucking pussy-ass bitch, like, talks shit on me. I'm like, dude, man, you are, like, a nice dude. You're a nice guy, and then, like, he's posting on boards, like, I would never trust that guy. Fuck you, man. Really? Like, you know... A lot of backstabbers.
1: I mean, I guess that's in every industry, but in pickup, I mean, when it happens, it gets pretty malicious,
0: you know? You're like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Man, why don't you, don't you get you have a boss that is fucking crazy, and, you know, I get you have to work for that company, but don't go publicly taught. Like, dude, man, you're you're a guy that like, you know, you know, Chris, here's the truth on my workshop where I paid you money, you and sent money. We pulled and you got LMR and I didn't. And then I fucked your chick, you know, like, like, let's like, dude, whatever, man. You know, but it, it's, and that's not even what it's about. But if you want to make that the argument, dude, you fucking pussy ass faggots, you hide behind your fucking name. The best thing that ever happened to me was Savoy said, Steve Maeda is a thief or whatever. And, you know, yada. and it's like, dude, yeah, thank you. I'm going to use my name. Like, And, and, and you talked about that that story of about all that in your, in your last podcast
1: or not? Uh. You about your, your whole like uh, you know uh, joining them and leaving and why you left them and all that.
0: Well, you know, you know, this is one of the things is that uh, uh, yeah, and I can bring it up right to the part where I met Owen because it was so pivotal. It's So pivotal. There are some like hugely pivotal things. In fact, there's two major pivotal things that happened in 2007 that redefined stuff. So 2007 actually started. No, no. No, actually, this is not true. This is so crazy, man. So 2007... you know, it was really good. I was going around with Captain Jack. Things were good. Sin right. eventually moves to Dallas. Like, we just... Stuff... More stuff happens. And really, it comes from CJ. CJ was such a awesome dude because he was, like, normal. You know, and he didn't do pickup. He, he's, he's the original Same Night Lay guy, right? Yeah, he is the original Same Night Lay guy. Oh, yeah. And it's weird because I'm such good friends with Nick. And, dude, to be honest, Nick, like, took CJ's ideas and sold it. And I was like, Jason, you know, that's Captain Jack's name. I was like, dude, man, mm-hmm. you, you never did anything. But I agree... I agree. It's your stuff, and he's saying Nick's even saying it's your stuff. You know, yeah. and, but but like, dude, you you didn't do much. And Jason is a fucking genius, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain Jack, you know, there's people that are better than him, but nobody did what he did, and he Break. took new concepts. He's a
1: legend for sure, man. I mean. And even though he didn't go the, the full commercial route like Nick Quick, what I like about uh, Captain Jack, and I think a lot of guys will agree, is when you know, he would do these conference calls and you would have to dial in and he'd ask people, okay, are you online? Like all, all those classic early calls. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it's a, it was a, like a special time that they can't be duplicated. And like his, his place in history, I think more people need to know about Captain Jack. I don't think he gets enough attention.
0: Dude, yeah, you know, it's crazy because he is like totally off the map. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he won't is... do
1: any talks or appearances. I've invited him many times, and I think I've even tried to get him through you. Nah, and
0: he, won't. he won't. He's he's kind of done. Well, well, he's got a life and a family and all that shit. But mm-hmm. sorry, I'm eating bananas, and and this oh, that's is okay. crazy. I'm smoking an incredible Hulk sativa.
1: <laughs>
0: dude. <laughs> This is funny. I'm actually – oh, I heard that, man. I'm actually uh, – we made this butter out of, like, almonds and sunflower seeds and fucking all these crazy – it's crazy, man. And that's one thing, and the, the pickup industry has, like, led me to, like, the best health I've ever been in my life because uh, – sounds pretty good right now. Dude, I did, uh, I did so many drugs and drank. When I lived in Fullerton, dude uh-huh. – Man, where would you guys hang out when you went to Fullerton?
1: Uh, slide bar, Rockin' Taco, just all those little dude, little the Slide us, bar uh, used to be the hub, bar, man. Uh, Tuscany.
0: Yeah, Virginia. the Tuscany, dude. I yeah. worked there. I've fucked chicks on the roof and in the booths. In the Tuscany, I worked at before pickup, so I wasn't good with women. But I always did this. I was like, I was a crazy dude. I used to do theater in Fullerton, and and like was a part of this theater group. I used yeah. to it, and I used to. Uh, uh, like I had my dick pierced and shit I remember I posted about it and other people <laughs> got, Albert. I got add an apodravia actually like straight through but uh, I, but anyway dude I would. I posted about it once and then other people got their dicks pierced which I thought was funny but dude it's like the easiest way to get laid like in a stupid way so I would say I could stick this wine key through my fucking dick and wine uh, key? <laughs> dude these, the people who own that bar are not good people um, mm-hmm. and there's all sorts of crazy Fullerton Gossip about that, but
1: did you know the, the the big black dude who worked at
0: Dora? His name was Big Country. No, uh huh. Okay. No, I mean I. The Tuscany opened when they were building it when I worked there, and it opened when I worked there, and I tended bar there for a little bit, but okay. I played music there even. But I, uh, I, I wasn't around. Like that was right when I moved to Texas. But, um, yeah, man, dude, I basically, you know, I would stick this wine key through my dick and like some bus boy would lose the bet. And all the Uh girls would be like, that's disgusting. And then the next day I didn't know, you know, and I didn't Uh take advantage of all this. The next day they'd like corner me in and be like, Hey, so that's gross. But what does that feel like? And I would just be like, well, whatever, get away. But dude, there's this one girl, one of the hottest girls I've ever been with, Even, you know, this is before pickup and and tell now, you know, I was 26, right? And she was 27 and she totally seduced me, man. We went across the street to rock and taco and I was with my manager, Mark, who like always fucked all the waitresses and she like Mark went to go get us a beer, went there and fucking, she just starts making out with me and I'm like, all right, she's like, let's go now. And I'm like, I didn't know where to go. I I didn't Uh live there at the time I I, where did I live I think I lived in Irvine and then Uh we walked to the theater I worked at like broke in there and like Like, we just had this weird (laughs) affair, and I remember we'd have tables on one side of that restaurant, and then on the other side, we'd fuck in the booths while we had tables, and then, like, go out, and and then there was one of the best girls I've ever met in my life, like, that changed my life. There's two women that just changed my whole sexual life, and one is this girl, Julia, who is this total hippie. She's, like, a new age guru now, and it's kind of annoying to talk to her, but (laughs) but, uh, I had so much anger about women and sex and didn't think I could enjoy it, and she, she also worked there and those were the two girls that I slept there and they were the most like one was the, like I'm not really into blonde girls but you can't really be into anything you know whenever I say I'm into anything I get disproven but she was huh? like the typical hot like I'd make out with this girl I have free drinks for life at uh, the back alley I'm like oh, nice. really good friends with Sandy and I like uh, back alley Yeah, dude, it never really is honored, and I don't drink anymore, but anyway, so fucking... uh, Yeah, I I got a lot of memories of Fullerton, too, and not all of them are are very good.
1: Uh, One time, I was taking a piss at 4 o'clock in the morning, and uh, the cops caught me, dude, and I guess Orange County has the strictest laws when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, The fine was $799.
0: Dude, I remember... Taking a piss. I remember... Let me tell you this that I never got caught for. I remember I used to do theater with all these guys, and they, like a lot of them were like junkies. And there were some which were just like – and some were very functional, like great people. But some like just did a lot of drugs, man. And that's who I hung out with. I remember I got drunk, wasted in Fullerton, just bar hopping in that little area. Yeah. Wasted, man. And uh, this is one of the things. It's like I made myself so unhealthy with like drugs and booze and shit. And not saying that if people do those things, I'm all for people having a good time. Yeah. But to me, it moderation. Too much. Yeah, yeah, dude. I remember I went to uh, La Revolucion. I don't yeah. know if that place still exists. And I, I, think I so. for some reason, I just was like, I'm stealing these these uh, setups on the table, like the napkins, the the shit wrapped in napkins. And I was all wasted. And I was actually with my cousin, and uh, who bartended at the back. Guys, this chick, Mele, she lives in New York now. But we were like fucking hanging out, and. Uh, I'm like, "Well, fuck it, dude. I'm going to go crash at the theater and sleep." And uh I had I had all these like napkins in my jacket and I'm like, "I got to take a shit." And I went to the <laughs> church that's on, uh I probably shouldn't say this, but it's on... Oh, like, dude, I, I know that church, dude. Yeah, okay, so you know the church. It's <laughs> right there. If you're drunk and walking... That's where you go after at the church. Yeah, so dude, I went to the door, and I'm like, dude, I gotta take a shit. I pulled down my pants, I fucking shit, and I'm like, oh, fuck. I don't have anything to wipe with. Oh, wait, I have these linens. So then I fucking... I then, This is typical Steve, like, fucked up person. This is why I don't drink, man. This is why... Like, this is where I st- step over the boundary. So I take – I wipe my ass with the linens, take the shit, and write Jesus s- saves on the church. Oh, man. <laughs> and then throw the shit in their mailbox. And then I walk to the theater, and I see – and then my junkie friends are in there fucking getting wasted. These, these are my fucking loser-ass junkie theater friends. Uh-huh. And I'm like, guys, guess what I just did? I did something so awesome. And they, they just looked at me and I told them and they were like, what's wrong with you, man? Uh, Why would you do that? And I'm like, the fucking – my friends who are fucking shooting up fucking uh-huh. cocaine and shit and plastic oh, spoons man. are fucking, you know, like judging me for this. There's the, yeah. seriously a problem. But, dude, <laughs> this is – let's jump to then pick up the, the answer for my life. You know, then in 2006, like I started getting – getting better, 2007 to get better, like, Sin, uh, CJ, Captain Jack, we did these things where, man, I mean, we were so good, and then, like, you know, Sin's there, and he's working for Mystery Method, and, you know, the guy's kind of a crazy dude, not the best yeah. dude, but, you know, he's also a kid, he's a fucking kid, you know, you listen to the audio that you presented of that nameless guy, and it's like, you hear a little boy there, even though the guy's, like, older, right? And, yeah,
1: very, very older.
0: Yeah, man, and it's just, like, the best was when says don't get a girlfriend because I'm a master and I'm like what what shut up uh, what, what does that mean? You know, god, you, yeah. anyway, but anyway, so, um, you know, and sin had this like elitist mentality and, you know, and so we all kind of bought into it to a point, you know, but I was always like kind of fair and CJ was always really fair. And, and CJ really was the leader. He was better than everybody. And so, you know, I remember one night we went out eight nights in a row. I got laid four times. I was like, I'm a fucking God, but I never thought I was a God because in sin, got laid four times. He may Gotten laid more or whatever, but he, you know, he got laid a substantial amount. Fucking CJ got laid seven nights out of those. Of eight, shit. eight, like eight, seven in a row. And uh that's you know, what I
1: hear is that he was watching him, you know, during those times with you guys. I mean, those were historic times, and no one, I don't think there's been anyone, maybe except maybe Nick Rogue, who was has done it like uh, Captain Jack. Yeah,
0: dude, I don't know, man. I mean, Nick, you know. Nick is some... Everybody's different, you know? And what was great about CJ is not what's great about Nick, you know? And, and I'll say that, and that's that's totally fair. Nick has done crazy shit, man, and in bizarre ways, but CJ did it effortlessly. He would literally go up to somebody and be mellow, and just chill, and just be like, "Hey, yeah." And the girls would leave. It was it was like magic. <laughs> it was it was really crazy, man. And uh-huh. it was so. And you know, also, this is like the first time I'm seeing this shit. Like, I saw sin. I pulled with ten magnet on my boot camp. I saw sin pull. I saw, you know, I saw pickup artists get laid. And but the first that I saw was really amazing. Even on my boot camp, Jason was there. You know, he got laid like crazy. He got laid twice on the on the workshop, and we saw him pull. And uh, it was so effortless. And so a lot of this could be fantasy in my mind, building it up. But, dude, since then I've hung out. Probably one of the best guys I've seen is Jason Savage. And it's different. Now, Savage, I think, is one of the biggest geniuses ever, even though nobody's really gotten a hold of him lately, because of, conceptually, the stuff he did. But C.J., did some amazing shit. So then it turns Definitely out. a
1: legend in the scene, dude, and not enough recognition again. I think he deserves more.
0: Yeah, no, man. He, he's, it, it's a tough thing because I know it's odd me, like, doing stuff with Nick. Nick and I have been friends for years. But it's like, dude, man, you know, Nick's, Nick's an amazing guy. Nick's a really good guy.
1: I've had a lot of CC guys take boot camp with Nick Quick, and they say it was an awesome experience. Um, one guy, actually, I think he's married now. Mm. his name's uh, Amit Mom, um, I don't want to say his last name but he I think he recently you know a guy got married to a girl that he met you know
0: while he was practicing that quick stuff so that's cool man that's cool yeah. but uh you know, and Jason really believed, Captain Jack Jason really believed in seduction. He was like, dude, I'm not trying to get attention. I'm trying to get sex. And and, I, and he, he loved women. That was the other thing, too, because he had daughters. He had an ex-wife. You know, and that fucked him up. He was raised by his mom. And everybody else hated women. Like, I, I had anger towards women. Sin had anger towards women. Everybody at Mystery Method hated women and encouraged it. It never grew. And even if you hear the voicing that comes out of, like, that style of... Of of game, it it is all like hateful towards women, and CJ had that mix of going like, no, I like to fuck women, but it's because I love them, and nobody had that. So it was really kind of cool. It was like the one, it was like this little bit of light that you saw that you tried to find the road to the whole time when you're in this pickup thing. Mm -hmm. So then we come to like April. I start working boot camps. I'm working boot camps with Sin, and like directly, I'm working boot camps with Ten Magnet. Um, So this is the beginning of two thousand eight. No, this is 2007. 2007? Okay. So I think the first one was like, March or April no it was, it was March yeah 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 and, uh, and you know it was just me and like I, I worked hard you know it was like you were talking about you know doing stuff for other people I, I worked hard for sin man I did whatever he said I didn't know you know I didn't right. know how full of shit some of these guys are how legitimate some of these guys are oh
1: that, that's how it is when you get in you assume you know okay they must know they, they, they've given this speech or they have this product so obviously they, they must know way more than me and I better shut up and listen and do what they say so I
0: I did well. And you know, this is turning point number one. All right, and business comes to a head here. So I am not under contract with mystery method or anything shit like that. And basically what happens is they, you know, there's like sign this contract and we're like, well, you know, let's take a look at stuff. And there's all these people in in Dallas who are businessmen who are friends with us and saying, Hey, beware, you know, there's something wrong with, uh, you know, I get a bad feeling about Savoy. So like be cautious. So, um, you know, we were all cautious and, um, Jason, you gotta be
1: cautious with him. I mean, (laughs) I, I, I kind of went through some stuff. Yeah. You
0: gotta be away from him. I mean, the guy is not like, you know, and here, here's the thing, dude, this is like awesome, actually, um, but uh, uh, basically he he just wanted contracts with us, and the first thing is you know I I could I did I could sell, and I was like more genuine or something or, or like I connected with certain guys and they wanted one on one, so we got one on ones, and I remember. I sold, so I said, all right, I'll work for you, but still hadn't signed a contract. I sold one-on-ones and workshops to a bunch of guys in Dallas. And the first thing they did, the salesman Jeremy did, was he then rescheduled all their shit to other senior people in the company. And it was $16,000 worth of stuff. And so all the guys complained to me. And they're like, but they said that, that you can't do it or something
1: they like yeah they made
0: up they made up shit you know or whatever so I said okay cool so that's fine you know but I'm obviously now I'm definitely not going to sign a contract so then I sold a $6,000 one-on-one to a guy, and they had never done that before. And this wow, was like the, grand. the guy asked for it. He said, dude, I want I want as many days as possible. Here's the money I can pay. So they're like, okay, well, you pay for all your travel. Um, you pay for, uh, you know, whatever expenses, and you pay for any assistance you need, and then give us you, you give us half. So basically you have $3,000 to pay yourself and pay your expenses. And they're like, the guy wants to do it in Arizona. That's where we sold it at. So it was actually cool. One of my clients in Dallas that actually got wanted to do a bunch of work with me and eventually he did that, uh, that uh, you know was really rich was like, well, whatever, man, I'll fly you to Arizona. I'll go with you on the one-on-one, and I'll fly Captain Jack there, and we'll all hang out and we'll have a good time. And so that's what we did. Dude, I did a one-on-one with this guy who had done a workshop with us in Chicago, and he, I, I can't say his name, he's engaged now, he's a high-level business guy, he's a stockbroker, um, travels all around the world, he has an amazing life. He was so good with women. This is, like, the biggest turning point, man. I just actually wrote about this. Uh, I haven't posted it yet. Well, actually, I accidentally posted it tonight, but anyway, whatever. I'll... But uh, but anyway, it it, true story man we're in there spend three days with this guy and on the third day he's like dude and the guy's good I'm like what the fuck man what do you need my help you're like this badass well-traveled you know dude who has like severe confidence and he pulls me aside. He's like, man, you know why I picked you for a workshop? You need to know this. And, uh, he pulls out his camera and he starts going through the pictures and he's like, look, you know, and we're seeing pictures of us that weekend or whatever. And he keeps going back. And this is 2007. So, you know, people had digital cameras, but they would keep pictures from a long time ago. in it like, you know, now it's like that shit fills up on a memory card. You dump it on your computer, but he had had photos in there for years and he comes to this picture with this girl and she's blonde and she's attractive and he's like this is my fiance and uh, and I was like okay well you need to get over it or whatever You know, I'm thinking this in my head I'm like what the fuck are you getting at and he's like the reason why I hired you is because you're normal and the other guys aren't and I can relate with you and for some reason like I need help with this but I don't like everybody else has a problem and I, I know I have a problem but I don't want to be like them and you're like the same age as me and you seem kind of cool and you know I need to get over this and I'm like well yeah yeah you you need to get over this chick or whatever he's like no man I I love her and she is the love of my life but I spent the last year watching her die of cancer and that's why I'm doing this and like he got all upset and I was like Jesus Christ and he's like look dude the one thing I want from you is I want you to make me something custom because you're good at thinking on your feet and so that was actually the first stack that I wrote of the red stacks was for him. And we actually just wrote it on like a napkin or something. And, like, the, we had, like, similar structure. You know, it was like, here's how you customize nigs the eggs into qualifiers to get sexual or whatever. And this guy didn't need much help, to be honest, man. And, you know, he got a girlfriend right after that. They almost got married. They didn't. And then, like, you know, we traveled around the world together, me and this guy. We became such good friends. And he'd always say, he's like, dude, do good in business. You are, like, the, the guy that's different. Like, I know so many people. He he actually lived. Uh, his roommate was one of the. Uh, he rented a house to one of the RSD instructors in uh, Chicago, and he's like, "Dude, you're not like these guys. Like, you're you're fucking a great guy, and uh, you could do so." He was always just such an encouraging dude. You know, just such a nice guy.
1: Uh, Still keep in touch now, or
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, he fucking. Uh, he, he said that, and I was like, "Shit, okay, I am gonna teach." Because at that point, I didn't have to teach. So the best part is, I turned in my invoices for uh, Mystery Method, and they didn't give me half, dude. I had already paid. Now my buddy Sean fronted a bunch of money, you know, and, and helped so with three, my three
1: grand they would you.
0: They gave me like two thousand bucks, dude. Ugh. so I had to front the money for the trip, and then they didn't uh-huh. even pay me what and then they like made an excuse well, it's different now so I'm like, dude, I'm definitely not signing a contract. You guys want me first off here's the you know I'm not a lawyer and i wasn't definitely wasn't one then, but I'm like, okay. You want me as a guy who's helping out on your workshops voluntarily, and Sin is buying me meals, you know, and not getting paid, whatever. So, right. uh, up until then, how, how are you with Savoy? With like, are you guys, like, are you cool with him, or is he never down, like trusted the his boss, ass? Or? Never trusted him. And the thing was, is I never respected him. And I yeah. questioned him on stuff, and that's why this shit happened. So, he always, dude, he, I went to a workshop in September that year. Dude, shit you not, man. 50% of the people on that workshop because i was the only one who stayed in contact with them not to fucking like turn them against the voice not and actually talking them trying to talk them out of it half of them said i tried to call the office for a refund and they tried to sell me on something else <laughs> and uh dude he showed up look dude i work as a I, I work at a rehab dude i i know what people are like when they're intoxicated and uh you know uh, there was no drug test there but You know, uh, Brad P came in and gave a talk, and uh, Savoy gave some talk that was aloof, and a bunch of the other people actually told me we think he's intoxicated while giving his presentation.
1: Yeah, I've heard that too. Uh, When he did our seminar in 2009, that's all the guys were talking about. Oh, he he must have had something to drink.
0: And, uh, you know, uh, at the the seminar, this was another thing. Like, I remember I wrote a post, and this was all before the lawsuit happened. I wrote a post, I'm like, well, Bad Boy and Savoy talk about threesomes, but my friend, the California. California pimp has a different angle on threesomes. I wrote, put that on the board. I wasn't questioning him. I'm like, dude, they have a badass thing, you know, but anthony the california pimp says this he said dude i never talked about threesomes at that seminar it's recorded and i i just remember saying on a call i said well okay nick dude you know because he got all pissed off about it and i'm like you know i'm not saying you did or you didn't but you're saying you'll bet me i'll bet you ten thousand bucks you did and it is recorded because oh shit magic <laughs> one of the fraud the biggest frauds in the world recorded it but um was Who? that uh magic the magic dude. the indian guy yeah he,
1: he's going to be at our at our thing, too.
0: Good. Yeah, I, I yeah, can't Oh, stand my that.
1: God. I, I want to hear uh, about him. I, I've met him. I, I know him pretty good.
0: He's just, I, I mean, I just think he's full of shit. You know, I don't know. Everybody that I know has worked with him is full of shit. I mean, even when I met him that weekend, I, he was, like, bullshitting about stuff. I don't know, whatever. Anybody who, like, his first thing he said to me was, like, this is what I look like and I am now a famous director and actor. And I'm like, dude, why are you ashamed of your culture? Why are you saying that you are Sikh and you're ashamed of that and now you're buying into the most fabricated Bullshit culture in the history of the world, you know, the Los Angeles film industry, and you're not because I worked as a competitive, nationally nominated light designer and, you know, in heavy, heavy, you know, like that's all I did before was theater. Like I, I got nominated uh, for a play in L.A. Uh, With the Zoo District Theater, you know it was nationally not didn't win, but nominated twice. Man, it was an amazing experience. I've worked with tons. I've worked with Julie Taymor, big time directors. Um, Nice. And and uh, you know, like he was saying that he was a film director, and I'm like, you're recording the Mystery Method workshop, (laughs) and you you are you know shit about lighting you're terrible man you're making every mistake like in the world but uh and you're telling me this like so I just always thought he was full of shit and then he was telling me about threesomes and how awesome he was and how ashamed he was of his Indian I've met
1: him a few times I've gone out with him and stuff and um he was uh trying to be a coach here in Southern California a couple years ago so I set up some talks for him um but what I do know is like the guys that he was working for at that time he's not friendly with them either Hmm. Wrong. But with that company, he's, he's off on his own. So maybe when I met him, he, he changed or something, I don't
0: know. Well, he could have. I know guys in yeah. Austin who uh, were really put off by him, too. But anyway, whatever, dude. You know, yeah. everybody can change. That's what I'm saying. But Yeah, it's all good. But, uh, yeah, that was my impression of him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that night, we're doing a workshop, and I'm teaching these guys, and, um, you know, whatever. And I'm working with them. And the whole time, Nick Savoy is like, or Nick Benedict, that's his name. Um, Benedict Arnold. Yeah, but actually one of my best friends is named Benedict, and he's a nice guy. But have uh, anyway, <laughs> never so, a Benedict yet. So anyway, uh, the, we're, we're fucking doing whatever, and he's just like, you know, he's having a good time, I'll say that. But I'm working on a workshop, and Carlos, the hunter or whatever, who's like... Yeah, the hunter. The real real good-looking young guy, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like, he's aloof, you know, getting wasted.
1: Yeah, I remember a lot of guys, he's one of the the instructors people bring up when they say, well, of course he's good with them, and look at him; He's he's a
0: good-looking guy. Yeah, yeah, real confident. Nick, I was... Nick... uh, uh, Braddock? Yeah, Braddock, Nick's like one of his first workshops, and he's working really hard. Mm-hmm. And I and liked
1: I, him. I like Braddock.
0: Him and I were friends at the time. And uh, then uh, Nick Benedict is just like, you know, having a good time. He's wasted with a chick. And, dude, Sin calls me because I was supposed to work in Toronto that work weekend with Sin and Future. And he's like, dude, where are you? You didn't show up at the workshop. Savoy, like, just called me screaming at me. And... Uh, uh, I was like, dude, what are you talking about, man? He's, I'm here. I've been working. Like, I'll give you the phone to all the students. I'm the, me and Nick are the only ones working with him. And, uh, dude, I go over to Nick, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck, man? I'm here. Like, I'm on the phone with Sin. And he just starts screaming. And I said, okay, man. He starts screaming like throwing a tantrum. And I just walked away. And he was like, come
1: back here. And, so he, he's there, and you've
0: been there the whole time, and then you're on the phone with this guy. And... Dude, this was like at 1 a.m. in the boot camp. That means from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., mm-hmm. he was either causing drama with sin or that out of it. So you're, it...
1: you're there the whole time, but he, he's thinking you're not, and he's calling this guy, telling him where's all the yeah.
0: people. Yeah, yeah. So That's anyway, funny. dude, it was, after that, I was like, man, I'm never going to work with that guy again. And then after that, everybody emailed me saying, like, uh, dude, what what is wrong? I can't get a refund. Like, what's that? And I'm like, I don't don't know man i can talk to him and it just it, it was like so bizarre and uh, then uh when we're in, in in the whole time it's like dude i don't have a contract you know or am i am i a fucking contracted worker and i am an employee and what everybody in mystery method doesn't know this is what that they're so
1: the love systems now right
0: yeah, yeah 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 is that dude if they class actioned, they could destroy that guy because it, how that business is run is we're treated like employees. You know, we can't. We have rules like employees. Well, where's our insurance? Where's our tax being paid? All that sort of stuff. Right. So, like FedEx had a multi-million dollar lawsuit towards that. So anyway, whatever. We, uh, you know, we're we're independent contractors. For independent contractors, then we can take work anywhere. You know, but if we're employees, you know, and not NDAs in California are very hard to. Uh, and there's, there was actually a Supreme Court I know this all because of my lawsuit but they couldn't produce a contract And they, the, anyway dude there's so much shit with that case their attorney that they hired ended up talking to my attorneys and he was just like what they said dude try and tell Steve the guy's that Saman uh, uh-huh. And I wasn't there for this conversation, but he said, this is, you know, he said to my attorneys, this is off the record, try and tell Steve that we, you know, I, I want to be on good terms with him because he's a true master. And he, this <laughs> uh, is awesome. Dude. This, this is, is, is so fucking never talked about. I don't think, right? No, no, no. And uh, I'm, I'm dig, dude, keep going. And man, the other thing it. too was, is this was so cool, dude. Um, he, like, he had said something to the effect that, because uh, the K- they didn't think I'd fight back, and it was tough. I, you know, here's the thing with the lawsuit, is when we're in Hawaii, this is actually what happens, we're in Hawaii, and um, I meet Owen. And here's this guy who's obviously a pickup dude, like he's kind of crazy, he's a little bit manic, but at peace with himself, who has ideals, who's positive, who's giving and sharing. And it was so different than anybody that I had ever, like, experienced, right? It was so different. And he was, I was like, man, you could work in this industry and do something good. That's what I got. And I was... kind. Dude, and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work in this industry. And then Sin says, like, dude, somebody at Mystery Method is getting fired, and they're going to sue him. And Savoy won't tell me who it is. And he's like, I don't think it's you. I think it's Leon. You know, because if it was you, he would tell me. And, like, I never had a contract. And so, you know, dude, I took business. I got my own business. I wasn't doing anything, like, shady to get my business. You know, I didn't have a contract with him. And I wasn't I wasn't even – I was selling stacks, which are so far removed from Mystery Method, that is retarded. And I, every time I'd turn in an invoice for him, they would find a reason not to pay me. So it was – It was like, ridiculous, man. You know, why would I work for this company? The only problem is, is, you know, I do workshops with with sin. You know, now other guys in that company were actively everybody. Everybody took money under the table. Like other guys were totally doing it, and so that's where Sin okay. like thought it was like other dudes. And um,
1: interesting, man. I never, I've never heard this, and I'm.
0: <laughs> yeah, you should put this on your podcast. Yeah, this,
1: this is the kind of shit I wanted to ask you on on my show and stuff. Well, that it's you tough because technically, to
0: technically, the lawsuit is still mm. like you know it could still be activated, but what happened is awesome. It's so. Fucking cool, dude. It's it's the shit. So uh, basically, like, uh, what happens is uh, I get back to California. I have crazy baby mama drama like one of the big wreckages of my past and like when i like whatever in my life is was was her and it still exists to this day and it and so what happened was is she signed my court papers she was the address was at her house and she signed for the court papers and then told she contacted savoy and they had, like, a, a not a relationship relationship, but he would email my attorneys and me saying, oh, well, I talked to Julie, and she thinks this and that about you. And then I think at some point realized that she was, like, doing some really crazy shit, and it might actually backfire. But he would do that. And I remember at the time I had no money, so I told my clients, and they were like, man, what's wrong with him? Hey, we'll help you out. You know, and so my clients were like, dude, if you need a lawyer, I'll get you a lawyer. So I actually got a cheap lawyer at first. And she fucked everything up. And so if – when I got served, if Julie hadn't signed for me and then told Savoy that because she shared an address with me, she could prove common-law marriage even though we were never married and, Uh like, all this crazy vindictive stuff and then tried to work in my case. Um, And, in fact, this is kind of crazy, but she called my attorney and said Uh that her motive was to have me killed or – Oh, shit. (laughs) Like – you know, and it's deranged baby mama shit, dude, when mother's yeah. fucking... You know, and she's not always like that. But at the time, in the heat of the moment, she was she was pretty pissed. So, um, but that's that shit is... Like, she, you know, called, you know, my attorneys and was, like, saying some fucking psychotic shit. And saying that she could put me in jail for years and knew all this stuff and that that was going to happen. Now, the thing is, I think, why Savoy actually stopped talking to her was because if he ever... If, his mo- if it was his motive, which, um, you know, is assumed, but it's kind of obviously seen to yeah. cause damage on me, then, you know, he, he's then, he could, you know, his whole shit could get thrown out and he could be countersued and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, I got screwed <laughs> on that court case. My first judge, uh, or the first, the judge we were assigned to, the, my first attorney fucked it all up. I had to go back there and I had some attorney friends in California who hooked me up with my my attorney team out there, and they, they helped me out bought me some time with the case and then as soon as they got on it they rampaged that case. Now my case is Savoys thing is like, "Well, let's settle." No, let's not. Let's settle. Okay, we're going to drop it, we're not. And it's just try and bleed you with money. Now the thing was is what was so awesome is my client base was so loyal to me because like I was such, you know, and I still am to this day. It's like, "Hey, dude, I'll help you out for what? like it's it's like, what you're talking about with the Casanova crew? It's like so much about your personal you life. Back. And uh it, it just always meant so much to me. I had personal relationships with these guys that they were supporting me. And still to this day man, this guy from Atlanta, dude, he gave me uh, he came out here to visit, and I hadn't talked to him in like two years. But dude, he gave me six or seven thousand bucks just oh, wow. for my case, and he was yeah, like, nice. "Dude, you know, I don't want anything from it. Like, you're just a good guy." And uh, how
1: dude? Do you guess uh, they they had to pay on their end for for their uh, lawyers and stuff?
0: Well, this is the funny thing: is this is assumed I don't know. But one thing that got mentioned, and then it got immediately retracted, and this wasn't in front of me, so it's kind of hearsay, was that they, their attorney contacted my attorneys and said, please, can we stop this? We are actually not, uh, we we were retained partially in trade for stuff. Now that's illegal. And so as soon as they were like, they were like, well, and this was all verbally done or whatever. As as soon as that kind of came out, they immediately retracted. It was no, it was a proper retainer. If you, if you, if I were to get sued and you were an attorney and I hired you and said, but I'm not going to pay you money. I could pay you a dollar, uh-huh. you know, and that would work. But in California, if, if I hire you, but it, or you work for me and it's like, but I'm going to teach you pickup advice, then uh-huh. the whole thing like it's bad on that attorney. Like he could get his bar taken away and all this sort of shit. Uh, Anyways. So then we were like, fuck it. Let's come up with some countersuits, and we came up with some crazy shit, man. We contacted ex-employees, uh, um, people who had claims that were, mm-hmm. you know, that like all, some stuff, which is like pretty bad stuff. And just disgruntled people who had done. Stuff well, like, a lot of the secretaries, and mm-hmm. you know, one thing that uh, was bragged about by, you know, what's bragged about guys that get laid is, you know, fucking the staff and the secretaries, and yeah. uh, and then like when. Certain people, like, if this happened, which was bragged about heavily, if they didn't fuck you, that they were fired for it. And, uh, you know, how that when they can't, they would be made to come back to work but sign non-disclosures. Like, we we actually, and and the other thing, too, is if we went after a class action, Mm could have, but all that stuff, it's like money, money, money. It's anger, it's anger, anger. It's like you with your podcast. How much do you want to put out the hate? I actually would say this. If I were a smart business person, I would have said, "Hey, I'm sorry, Savoy, Here's three thousand bucks rather than paying you know x amount of money you know say hey, I'm sorry, I'm shamed, I'm a bad person. here's some money uh-huh. but instead it's like drawing it out is just ridiculous. But then what happens is this is awesome. Savoy has this habit of suing other people, right? And so he sued some other people. They contacted me. I said, okay, here's my attorneys. Dude, at that point, my, my one attorney, it's awesome because she's female. She uh, knew their strategy and it was the same thing. It's all intimidation. It's all this bullshit, dude. She fucking wrecked them. And after that, Um, The other thing, too, is Nick would – usually you want your attorney to speak for you, and he would sometimes send emails. And the other thing, too, is I would send out – or I would get ads and say, this is Jason. I'm in San Diego. I need help. You're the best. I like that you hate Mystery Method or whatever. Let's talk. (laughs) And I'd talk to him. I'd email them back, and I would get a reply back and like all the words were misspelled it was as if somebody wrote this when they were heavily intoxicated and then it would be reply back from Nick at themysterymethod.com it was him fucking doing it and the other guys that were getting sued by him the same thing happened and actually it's funny because magic actually helped out on that other guy's case and he's like I know you don't like magic but he helped me out with inside information or whatever but um and, and, and he actually said that everybody is afraid because um everybody likes that you fought back in that company because they all fucking hate him man um everybody's glad that you fought back in that company but they're all afraid to do anything because they he's saying that he destroyed you dude like the, like yeah i lost money and it there were like i probably should have done some smarter things in the lawsuit but dude he um he fucking like whatever uh my attorney did to him uh with the other cases like would just it was the same thing that Savoy would try and do but she made it go up to federal courts and eventually uh, sweet. got the shit thrown out they wasted a bunch of money on it and then after Am that I need
1: her. can I have her number I might have a potential uh, lawsuit against me
0: yeah yeah dude she's the best man I'll give you like dude fucking awesome and dude let me tell you something about her this is how I, my poker buddies hired her and uh, she did work for him and they paid you know whatever like a retainer or something and they have a lot of money and it was like I don't know what the retainer was but let's say it was a substantial amount right and Uh she ended up having to reference them because the legal stuff hit multiple states so she referenced them to a person in Chicago and in Florida or something all over right for business law and she's like you know what I'm actually going to have them take over because all the California work's done and I'm just going to return your retainer and I remember she Uh returned the retainer she did all the work, you know, or wow. did, you know, she did probably like, you could say a thousand bucks worth of work, but returned 5,000 or something, but she didn't keep any of the thousand dollars that she worked off of. And I remember they told me and I'm like, you didn't thank her. I'm like, man, I'm never fucking referencing you guys like shit. You didn't thank her. This is like the first ever. So she's really fair, but yeah, Great. she, she just knew their That's strategy awesome. And also, kind of, it was assumed that they weren't getting paid, uh, that their attorneys weren't actually getting paid. They were getting, like, trade, or a little bit of payment in trade, so they were getting exhausted. And I, I just remember when we hit them with discovery, they, they were like, dude, let's stop. Let's stop. Like, please. <laughs> and it was so funny. Like, the uh, <laughs> the best was, is my attorney was like, what is up with that guy? He's delusional. When they did an interview with him, like, he was trying to game the stenographer, and were like why was he oh being God. so weird and like just so into himself like he was doing such a great job and you know what the best part is is he's actually just doing all of mysteries routines oh, I'm so jealous of my girl I adore my girlfriend, or whatever the fuck it is but right. he thinks it's him and he's so grandiose about it I,
1: I think what's interesting about the, this whole story you're telling is that for the majority of the people out there who don't know you know this situation all they know from from Savoy is okay he took uh, Mystery's company from him some Somehow he, he's like so savvy, so business, uh, intelligent that he was able to, you know, take a mystery's company from mystery himself and start his own company. And that's a lot. That's the perception of Savoy's that he took mystery shit because he's such a ruthless, crude businessman. And hearing your story, you're, he, he's made out to look like a drunk who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing Well, and being erratic. And it's, it's interesting, man. This I'll tell you
0: this, man. I heard the audio that you sent me of that other guy. You don't want to say his name. And all I hear is a broken man and a hurt little kid. And, you know, when in Nick uh, Savoy, that's that's what I see with him, man. And it's just sad is that there's this guy and, uh, you know, I mean, you can make fun of him. He's like. You know, kind of like he, he's a businessman. He built a business. He did a good job, I guess. Um, you know, to some extent. But he, there, there's problems, man, and there's stuff that he's obviously careless about. But you know, dude, he, he ran a business and and he made it big and got he did it better than mystery and, and mystery needed that. But there's a uh, dude. You know, one thing that he, he threatened to come after Captain Jack. And Captain Jack was always mellow and diplomatic and said, okay, well, cool. You know, and he was like, "Um, I actually had a guy hire me for a one-on-one in my uh, uh, last week. And, you know, we we had a great time. And I didn't tell him, but his name came up in the lawsuit. Like he, because Savoy actually said, like, if you've ever bought anything from Steve, let me know. He's a fraud and all, you know help you out or something, but it wasn't, like, directly saying that he would pay them, but...
1: Okay, can I ask you, this is for people listening out there, because I know there's like, a lot of, like, you say a lot of stuff, and I just kind of want to ask, because I've heard kind of about it, but, uh, you know, this is, like, the first time I'm hearing it straight from you. Um, how much do you think uh, Savoy thinks that you made under the table, that, that made him go after you? Well, probably... Like was it over ten thousand no, like, no, 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 it was make... like
0: two or three thousand bucks, man
1: oh okay, so it was basically he was making like a big deal out of nothing,
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah,, yeah, and I mean dude to be honest, like you t- you take like all those other guys, man, they were making a lot more. But I never respected him, and uh, I think that's, like, a lot of the reason. But the guy's got problems, man, and I, I and I hope he he comes to resolution with him. And one thing CJ said is he was like, look, you know, I'm playing it cool, and uh, I always say, like, if you ever want to talk about something, like, because he would threaten Jason with stuff, and he'd say, hey, dude, I'm open to talk. And it never really panned out. Um, you know, for some reason, you know, my stuff was, like, a little bit more uh, – You know Provocative to him To go after And and yada 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 And uh Definitely didn't look As established Like I was like The third wheel I was the third person In the party Where CJ was like A little bit more established So he He thought it would be easy You know I mean Think about it There's sin who probably could have like had shit come down on him. There's uh Captain Jack who's like the guy doing all the stuff and then there's this new guy. You know, so uh, it's easier to go after me or whatever, but uh dude, I'm I'm glad he did because it's the the level of just bizarre like contacting the mother of my kids, you know, and then threatening me with it. And then uh, actually and, you know, I can't say threat because he kept his words clean, but it was like, well, maybe, you know, he'd email my lawyers. He'd say, say well, maybe if, if uh, we don't come to something, I might say something really loud in one of my newsletters about stuff that I know about Steve and, and his personal life because I've been talking to people. And then, like, in another email, he'd be like, well, Julie says this about him and da-da-da-da, and I think she likes me. And I'm like, dude, you oh, fucking man. psycho, you deranged, like, idiots. But, uh, wow, you know, what CJ always said, is he's like man if he sues me all we're doing is we're putting money together for a private investigator to follow him around because he's uh he's got so many issues and and we we all could see it you know and look dude i mean i i spend hours and hours a week you know talking to people about substance abuse and and i you know i've done like plenty of myself and i know what it's like dude you know i know what it's like to be lost in that world and if he isn't in that world, then there's a, a psychological problem that's far worse. So I hope, that, I hope that he is, man, you know, because there's an answer that can get him, you know, help if he hasn't found it, you know. Um, and I remember, dude, I'll tell you this, dude. The, one of the, the writers of Hitch is one of my best friends, Kevin Bish. I went out there on that trip to find a new lawyer, uh, to find the lawyers that I got. Uh and i I went to him and i said hey dude i gotta talk to you and uh he said sure man and and he came and met up with me in la and we know each other from like a separate venue but that's how we know that like like he was like i'd never wanted to sue any of these guys like david Wygant, but you know they had nothing to do with my movie um but uh or or whoever else you know uh, like claims it but um Uh, And Kevin is one of the most spiritual guys. And I remember I was at a point of not knowing, and I'll remember this always. And this is the freedom, the freedom that you find in, you know, doing the right thing and having the right people support you. You know, because a lot of times I can't see the forest through the trees. I don't know what the answer is. And it's like, look, you're panicking about something which you don't have any control over. And, you know, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you'll get screwed in this lawsuit. And, and uh, you know, maybe you are. I'm not here to say you're wrong or right. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm under a lot of pressure. And he's like, look, dude. I used to think I could control everything. And Kevin's so funny, man, because he's always like, you know, man, let me tell you. He's like, I was, in, I was meditating in India. This is true. That's actually what he told me. I was meditating uh. in India on a 26-day meditation or something like that. It was a sort of silent meditation for 20-plus days. And he's like, all you see are the people around you, but there's a ton of people in this thing. And we're meditating on mats and every day you're supposed to roll up your mat that's the rules and so i'd roll up my mat and when you're in that meditation you go through all this like anger and personal like it's just this crazy fucking experience and he said Uh the guy next to me never rolled up his mat and so one day i built it i took this peaceful thing you know, that was, uh, you know, meditating, that I could have gotten all this insight, but I spent days and even the last days obsessing about how I was going to fuck this guy up and he wasn't playing <laughs> by the rules. And you're just silent, so you live in that world, you're in this microcosm yeah. of meditation that this guy was like fucked up. So I woke up one day early and went into the room and was going to roll up his mat. Just to fuck with them, and I went in there <laughs> and I saw the—I I don't know how many people there were, but like 50 other people meditating, and over half of them hadn't rolled up their mats. And I was like, "Man, I just took my." And Kevin is this fucking brilliant man. He's explaining all this to me while I'm in this like terror on in, in Hollywood. We're in—we're on Beverly Boulevard actually. So uh-huh. and, and uh, like I don't know what part of LA we were in, but uh, but anyway he's explaining this to me and he's like I spent that time where I could have found the gifts of like this beautiful life around me wondering about something that had nothing to do with me just to realize that it was what was supposed to be happening and he's like that's how life is and right now you're obsessing about something that you don't even know and it sounds bad and it could ruin your life or whatever and all the stuff that you're thinking about but you're sitting there thinking that it's a a big deal and the thing is, is you 're not realizing the other beauties and potentials of your life, and dude, that guy is like one of the I, I, that guy 's awesome he 's just a, an amazing guy and that's, that 's that i 'll remember that to this day, and you know we never really resolved what was happening with with mystery method and um They
1: just kind of dropped it, and and that was it? No, they
0: never dropped it. We went to an agreement, which is, like, where I admit fault for something, and then that never really got completed, too, and... um, then, after he started that loss that other lawsuit, and then it got just annihilated uh then then he sent one last email to all of us, saying, "I hope you all like fuck each other or something like that and like uh and and then there was nothing else but dude this the the thing is is you know it 's kind of like
1: you say there's guys still working for that company that that feel that way about him still." They, they don't like him, they don't, they don't respect him, but they work for him because they're just
0: trying to make a living. They're trying to it's make dessert. a living and they're afraid. And here's the thing, dude. If they yeah. were employees, they'd get benefits. And an employee has to stay loyal to a company, but an independent contractor, which is what they really are, you know, they have employee rules, and they could class action and go – like, if three yeah. of them got together, man.
1: Let, let me ask you, this is kind of more insider shit, like, for, for guys who, who know the, the characters, but Jeremy, you mentioned him as
0: being their sales guy. Uh, how do you think he was treated uh, by Savoy? I don't know, man. I mean, I always – Jeremy was, like – just such a.
1: The reason I ask is because I know how much he he was getting paid a commission for for boot camp they sold, and it, it was fucking fucking shit well, what he yeah, was making.
0: Yeah, he dude. was making what what I heard was he was making like an hourly wage and then ten percent, and then Savoy no, yeah,
1: it, three three percent.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's fucking three percent, dude. You know. Yeah. He, he's an older guy for guys who don't know, right?
0: Yeah. Jeremy, so, my, Jeremy. So I just wanted to throw that out. just Yeah, yeah. You have any thoughts or hey, memories about man. it? <laughs> I remember Jeremy. Yeah, I don't know. That's too bad. But, dude, what people don't realize, and Jeremy actually knows the real dirt. He knows all the office stuff. He knows about the girls that work there. Dude, that, you know, sexual harassment stuff is big time. You know, and, and that's one of the things, dude. Uh, you know, I had a very fair and passive lawyer, and she did not want to go for that stuff. You know, and what we looked into was heavy stuff. I mean, it it would, you want to talk about humiliation, dude. You know, a blog post or whatever else or whatever anybody writes about me. Like, dude, I've I've had heavy stuff in my life and there's still more to come, you know. But uh, the thing is, is you can't see life. You can't see life. You can't see seduction as a bad thing. There's going to be bad experiences. Dude, my first sexual experience was, Mm -hmm. was my girlfriend getting kidnapped and raped, man. And then we stayed together after that. I had sex with her maybe like five times before that happened. And I saw the guys, I was standing at a gas station in Irvine and walked across the street to Del Taco. And in the guys that were there, like robbed the place Right after Kidnapped her And fucking Jeez. You know Took her to Anaheim And all over the fucking place Throughout the Did they car. get caught And arrested Dude Crazy story. You know You know what kind of nutsness you go through with that? And for her, much more, dude. But, you know, to me, it was like a traumatic thing. For her, it was traumatic. I'm not trying to say that, you know, it's crazy. But that experience was so nuts. And they didn't catch the guys. The detectives fucked up every aspect of that case. They didn't fingerprint the gas. They came to a gas station and nobody was there that was robbed. Like what was taken was like a small amount of money and some cigarettes. Cigarettes. That's all that was like taken. And a girl that they knew were working. And they didn't wipe down the place. They dusted for fingerprints on the cash register and that's it. There was so much DNA evidence because they had raped her there that they did not... Overlook And those cops, I just talked to her recently, and I'll tell you why. Those cops interrogated me about it, man. And they were like, well, we know that you had something to do with the robbery, but you were across the street. This is the best. You were across the street at Del Taco with your friends, and we know this because a cop was talking to you guys then. I'm like, he wasn't talking to us. He was harassing us when we all heard the alarms for the place go off. Like, you imagine the fucking, like, you know, I'm 18- it's so my first girlfriend. My sex, like, thought is, is toxic. You know, and I, I didn't have the greatest childhood and didn't have the greatest childhood with women around me. And it, it was not good. And there's a lot of reasons yeah. to, to hate sex and, and hate stuff about women. And, you know, that might sound weird, but my. Girlfriend being raped, it's not her fault. And we stayed together after that for a short while, but it confused me. You know, afterwards, and dude, the cops, this is the, this is the fucking, I remember it, man. The fucking asshole cocksucker detective telling me, they're like, well, you know that she, she swallowed, you know, their cum and all this, or whatever Ugh. shit. Like, I forget exactly the stuff, but it was so detailed, man. Well, they made her do this, and then so-and-so switched shit. off and did this. And then so-and-so, and like, so you think that's all right? You know, they're like interrogating me about me, taking 200 bucks, which didn't happen, man, you know, or like somehow having to do with the inside on it. And we stayed together and went to counseling, but dude, you know, after that, you know, I'm having sex with a girl, which is sex is a great thing, but the whole time I'm wondering and doubting all this stuff. I didn't have a girlfriend for, that's why I got involved in theater because I really liked this girl in theater and I didn't know how to talk to women, you know, and I, I, And I didn't have a girlfriend or have anything close to that for three years until I went back to Hawaii. And uh, sex to me was like this explosion of fucked upness. And so that's why when you get to... Like, business can be a great thing. You know, sex can be a great thing. Life can be this great thing. But if we interpret it as a bad thing, there's always bad stuff that's going to happen. But that's. Do you still uh, keep in touch with her? Well, okay, yeah. So this is what happened. She actually contacted me about two or three weeks ago and uh-huh. said, hey... You know, and we had been friends on Facebook, but we hadn't talked. And she's like, this is weird. This is the first time I'm talking to you. But the guys that raped me actually got caught because this the detective, you know, they get transferred or whatever. And uh-huh. the DNA evidence had changed. Now, they had gotten her DNA, but because she had had sex with me that day, that a lot of the evidence got thrown out. But there was DNA on her clothes that matched with somebody who got incarcerated. Ah, uh, but dude, this is 16 years later, man. Wow, and man, karma it I, always comes back. Well, I said to her, I said, dude, you know, do you really care? And she and she has every right to care, you know. And it was much more for her than to me. It's and, closure, at least on some level. But I said, I was like, man, I, I don't mind anymore, you know. That's that's the way the world works, and it helped <laughs> change my life. This is why the pickup industry is such an awesome thing because I faced, I faced, you know. Okay, I faced Savoy, but I faced my own demons more than anything.
1: Well, well, do do, do you think that incident with your your girlfriend, what happened to her, do you think that's the culprit, the main reason why you became El Topo and became an instructor?
0: Well, no. I mean, my... You know, my mom and I have a a pretty good relationship now, and there's a lot that's trying to be resolved. When you get into counseling, like you have to treat, there's such a distortion. Whenever there's like trauma in any way, it's hard to remember. And so you could consider uh, like trauma as a child. Or, or abuse or whatever. But me me and my mom didn't have the greatest relationship at the time. And that's also because, like, my brother and her did. Uh, my brother, you know, did everything she said. I was, like, more rebellious. And she was just – she was a really strict person. Were you younger than your brother? Yeah, yeah. And, okay. you know, abuse has a long lineage in her side of the family. Um, her father and her grandfather were, like, kind of screwed up people in a lot of ways. And there's great things – and here's what's so – interesting is abuse is such a cultural interpretation my uh, somebody who I'm very close with I I can't really divulge too much, she grew up in another country, and she grew up abused in a lot of ways, there was sexual abuse, there was um, violence, there was all sorts of fucked up shit, but there was love in that family, and actually there's studies, you know, my brother's a sociology professor, and like in America, Samoa, there's corporal punishment, and all sorts of fucked up shit, but there's like absolute love, and nobody has, the the shame does not exist in the same way that it does in the U.S., and so... My friend, like, she talks to me about this because, like, it affects me still to this day. And it's a part of me. I love it. It's a part of me, all this stuff. The the, the hatred when the Hulk and fucking... Uh what am I call it? The Avengers says, here's my secret. I'm always angry. That You know, that's it. I'm always me. You know, ever since day one in Pickup, I'm like, be yourself and here's how to do it. You know, kind of – there's always been that authenticity, as confused as I was at some of the times. But, dude, you know, that, that sort of like anger for me to not set off and react to it and have anxiety about it, um, you know, it has been – Uh, dude it's because I embrace it and that doesn't mean I break shit it's because I feel it and allow it to pass and allow it to have its it's bigger than me it's a force greater than me that's like me trying to control seduction or life so I don't know man I think when with that, it had a lot to do with my childhood growing up with my mom and to be honest, I don't know everything that happened but when I talk to my uh, like my one, there's a couple of people that I know but this one female in particular I talk her about it because there's no shame in it she's like, well yeah, this happened and I was screaming and I remember yelling and I was traumatized about it but afterwards, you know it, I was able to go, okay yeah, it, you know, it passed through me it's the attachment, the secrecy that we keep, the secrecy towards the shame, um, you know, the, the abuse or violence or, or whatever sexual abuse shit that happens that we, we think is a big deal that we can't tell anybody about that then gets held on. And then when we're in bed with people, you know, that's when it all comes out. Yeah. You know, and that's why it's like that one time you were like, dude, you said I'm fucking your shame or whatever, or, you're fucking my shame. That, that's that's what was happening with me. I got this outlet for women to have sex with and it just like it blew up in my face. And the porn, my my, my friend the California Pip was like, dude, you know, you are too angry with women. Like all pickup is all about controlling women. Like I I've always loved women. And that guy, I mean, he He's an amazing dude, and he's seen some shit in his life. I'll say that. He's a very private person. He'd get mad if I talked about stuff that happened to him, you know, throughout his life. But he's worked through some awesome stuff, and that's... uh you know, and he's one of those guys that... He's one of those crazy people that makes so much sense. Another guy, Eric Everhard, man. I interviewed him, and he... Uh, oh,
1: uh, yeah, he came over to Castle Nova fest uh, last uh, January.
0: Really? Oh, yeah, man. he's a, he, Dude, I'll, I'll hit him up. He's, he's a good friend of mine. And what a great dude. You know, and you talk to him about sex, and it's like, uh, you know, it's just... A cool thing. You know? you know what's
1: funny is I didn't know who he was. Like I don't, I don't really follow porn. Like I know who Ron Jeremy is and Jenna Jameson and and stuff like that, but I you know I'm not all like I, I didn't know him and seriously. he was there and uh he, he was hanging out and I guess he came with um Terence Terrence yeah. yeah. He's he's a really good guy too and um he's like, "Oh, um so yeah, so what's up with this Casanova crew?" I was just kind of telling him and I'm like, "So, who are you? Are you uh, an instructor or a coach?" That's what like, I said no, to him
0: cuz he dresses all funky, man.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, oh, so are you a PUA too? He's like, no, no, I do porn. That's what I'm into. I'm a porn guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I, I just, I felt stupid because after the next day, all anybody in Casanova Cruz talking about is, holy shit, did you see Eric Everhart there? Yeah. And I'm like, I had no idea that, that he was who he
0: is. He's another one of those wise men, dude. I, like, yeah. he he's one of those weird, he's like such a little kid like mentality that just is such a cool guy. What a yeah, cool guy. he
1: might actually be the host for for our event that we have coming up since September. He might be like like the MC for the event.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah, he is a good dude. He is a very good dude. Yeah, um
1: I got a good impression from him. So yeah, man, that'll be cool if he actually hosted because that'll give us the tie-in to for Hustler to, to write an article about it because there's going to be a Hustler guy there
0: wow. too covering the event. You know, actually, yeah, I, I have a Hustler contact, but it's been a while since I talked to him. Nice. But um, but yeah, man. That's you know, and this is why I'm talking to you because it's like, dude, you have, you know, that you had a lot of choices. Where you could have done the wrong thing and you did the and right. And I did
1: a lot of mistakes too, man. I didn't do everything perfect, but I did the best I could.
0: No, man. But here's the deal, dude. People who make real mistakes in this business, you know who they are, and that's obvious. You think of any fucking instructor who had the power you had, including me. They would have fucked it up. Yeah. You know, dude. You 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 have the biggest market, in the biggest country. And the in you know, I mean, you you had the access point of the world now, of course, you may not have been communicating to the world, but Los Angeles is this nest of consumerism and it's huge and right. so much influence. And you actually had a website that was capable of handling it, and so that's kind of like one of the things where it's like, dude, man, but you did the right thing, and th- that's actually the reason why I was wary against you because I knew you did intern work with Mystery Method and uh, right with the love systems, yeah, 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 and so. So uh, I think Megatron was like, "Oh man, well, you know, he's doing work with them, so he can't do work with you." And I was like, "Oh, dude, well, then fuck that shit." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's so
1: political. So these
0: things. yeah, man. But then it's like it, it turns out a completely different story. But but yeah, man, it's it's good. It all happens and and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know, man. That, that you know, I'll tell you to this day, me in arizona with that guy telling me about his fiance that had died that was one thing and then another thing was when i fucking uh, uh when i met owen it, it was just like dude he's the first normal instructor that i've met
1: He's a really cool guy, and I've I've been lucky to to know him for for a few years now, and he, he's a good friend. And he's the kind of guy if I talk to him, it's not just like okay, um, commission or business and this and that. Like he will talk to me about uh, health and fitness for fucking an hour. He's yeah, a smart he's guy, so I a awake, lot of books, man. and he, he's done a lot for me. So I'm I'm very. If he's listening, you know, uh, Owen, you're you're fucking awesome.
0: But dude, I think it's those guys that they've been run through the ringer, man. They've been like he got run through the ringer. What the yeah. fuck is up with that? He got slammed in the game. Oh yeah, I know. Then came back to run yeah. the the one of the most dominant businesses, man. And the funny
1: thing is now that they're they're actually cool with each other. They're friends that they've had dinner and everything, and it, it seemed like all the the hostility. And I mean, there there might be of course there's still some you know deep down inside, but on the surface, I mean, they get along and that they're cordial with each other. And I just found that kind of bizarre.
0: What about Neil? Is he friends with Neil?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They're they're wow. actually, you know, friendly behind the scenes. Wow, that's so, crazy, man. Yeah, I know. Well, shit, man. Yeah, I, don't... man you, I I kind of wanted to ask you a couple of things. If that's cool, man. Um, do it. You know, I, I know me and you. We both have a lot of common interests, and some people know some, and might not. But we're both into punk rock music, obscure shit, cult movies,
0: cult movies, and yeah. things
1: like that. And you know, actually, it's funny. Like when I first was gonna create a screen name. I mean, out of the many that I, I, I thought I'm going to pick, El Topo was actually one of them because one of my favorite movies of all time <laughs> yeah, is El Topo.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, at the time I picked El Topo in 2006, it wasn't in print on DVD anywhere, so...
1: Right. Yeah, it was unreleased in, in America because some some hermit guy owned the rights and he was, like, sticking to his guns. He was not going to release the movie just to spite the director who who made the whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh,
1: Alejandro Jodorowsky.
0: Yeah, dude, I actually wanted to... Um, You know, I was going to pick the the name Solo instead. Oh, yeah, 120 Days of Solo. This was it, man. I created a Mystery Method account because I took a boot camp, right? And I was never on the boards. Like, I would look at product and sign up for email lists, but I was never on any forums. I was never on (laughs) MASF or whatever. And so I went on there and it was, like, I didn't know. I, dude, I'd never really been on forums. Or if I had, I didn't care. But this was important. This was the access. You know, this is where I was going to get to know the guys who are on my boot camp. And then, like, the other instructors, I'd get to read their lay reports. And so they're, like, pick a name. And it was something like you have one chance or something. And so <laughs> I typed in, like, four different things and erased them. And then it was, like, you know, whatever. That's just going to be, like... I don't give a shit. I'm not, I'm just going to use this for information, but at the same time, it's important. And then, you know, I started writing these really like over the top lay reports and, uh um, it, it, it became known, and it's awesome,
1: dude. Your name, El Topo. It's like if you do a search on the internet for for El Topo, three things show up right away. I know. Number one. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you know, for people who don't know, uh, El Topo is a Spanish word for the mole. Okay, right. the animal that that buries, you know, hides under the ground. So that's you know the first result. Second result is the actual movie. El Topo came out in nineteen seventy four. The first cult movie ever, the first midnight movie predating the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and the third result is our good friend Steve.
0: That's right, so, dude. That's fucking awesome. And dude. let me tell you, the reason why I went with the RedMole dot com was because one of the things I regret most is in two thousand seven, I dated two girls that were awesome, and they, one of them I lied to so much, and uh, she ended up, uh, you know, I dude, I, I fucking regret it. But I lied to her about everything about my life, and then I just disappeared. And then another girl found my blog, and I had wrote about her. And, and at the time, it was uh, like, it was like El Topo's, you know. Seduction blog or something, you know, and she found it, and I just was so devastated. In fact, I had stopped drinking for 18 months. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. This is actually a crazy story. So, I was so because I played music, and and dude, I would, you know, I don't know if you know the bands like Dillinger Four and shit or Leftover. I've heard Crowd. of them, yep. They still so, play at the Showcase Theater in Corona. Yeah, dude, fuck man, Corona. God I was damn. there
1: dude. I, you know the early 90s when, when when punk came back, Green Day and Offspring. Like I didn't like those bands at all, but I liked the bands that I discovered through them, you know, like the Misfits and Black Flag and all the the I think blues. I
0: saw DI at the Showcase Theater.
1: But Yeah, they're, they're from Orange County.
0: I also have a uh a Fender Custom Shop guitar from Corona as well. But uh Nice. Yeah, my friend made it. That's a that cool deal in itself. Ralph Esposito, he, uh, he uh, made it himself, man. He's a, he's a custom shop worker, and he's a good friend of mine. And We used to hang out at this. Did you ever hang out at a restaurant called Earl's in Orange County? Um, No, never heard of it. Well, in the 90s, they outlawed smoking in California in restaurants. And and Earl's, it had an outdoor patio, but it was really an enclosed room, and you could still smoke there. So, everybody, like Real Big Fish, hung out there, and, uh, you know, the fucking Monique from Save Ferris and all those fuckers were there. And then all these weird people, like all these true psychos, and we were all friends. It was really crazy, man. But, um,. Yeah, dude, here's the thing about El Topo. So I changed it to the Red Mole, the-red-mole.blogspot.com. And I don't know why. In the re- Well, actually, I do know why. Because, see, El Topo, the, how I found out about El Topo was because it, it was an awesome movie. But then I read into it, and it was like John Lennon saw this movie, and then mm-hmm. – uh, Financed the holy mountain, which is like right. the crit. I love that movie, man. Yeah, um,
1: I have the, the box setup of all of his, yeah,
0: boxes. totally, dude. Santa mm-hmm. Sangre, all that shit, man. Yeah,
1: it's like the Sangre, dude. The severed head. Did
0: you see that one, dude? Yeah, I have it, man. I, have it. <laughs> I love it, but uh, but dude, uh, so anyway, mm-hmm. I fucking, uh. Uh, was like, shit. You know, John Lennon, like, saw his movie. It was his favorite movie. And uh, then John Lennon also wrote an article. Well, a very famous interview about John Lennon was actually in this communist newspaper called The Red Mole. Ah. And so... That's why I changed it to the red mole. Nice, it dude. Fit with Altopo. El Altopo El means mole. You know, there's all these weird John Lennon references, and but then it was like everybody was like, "This is terrible for search engine shit," and you know, whatever, fucking, but fucking, dude, why can't you just be a guy who fucks chicks and has <laughs> fun? You know what the right. fuck, dude? Why do you have to do all this stupid shit, man? But right. dude, Neil Strauss actually emailed me, and he's like, "Dude, I, I, I knew." Hodorowski, I interviewed him. Really? Wow. How yeah, yeah. How he sent this? me the interview. I I gotta find the email or whatever. But and then I was like, cool, Neil. And then he never emailed me back about anything. But.
1: Is it recent when when he sent you that email, or a
0: while ago? That was a while ago. It was in wow. 2010, maybe. It was when wow, I posted that. that article about sin.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. So he he interviewed Jodorowsky. I had to look that up. I had no idea that that they. Uh, Dude, if I can
0: find it, I will send you the link. But he emailed me via Facebook like a long time, like, like two thousand, uh, like two years ago.
1: For, for so, you guys up there listening, if you, if you don't know the movie El Topo, now it's actually released uh, in America, so you can actually rent it. Or I guess people don't rent movies anymore, right? They go through Netflix.
0: I don't know if you can find it on Netflix but dude
1: Uh, you guys can find it if you guys know Torrance or whatever download that shit watch the movie El Topo it's one of my top probably top five favorite of all time and I've seen fucking every fucked up sick fucked up movie all the cult films all the underground shit And El Topo it has this kind of magic to it when you watch it it's like the cinematography the the sky and then the way he films things and then the freaks in there and the whole story itself (laughs) it's like the most convoluted it sucks you in and it's the kind of movie you can watch over and over again and I watch it at least a couple times a year.
0: Really? Dude, yeah. it should have been your name, man. I watched it a few times. and But, uh, hey, what what is your favorite movie?
1: Uh, man, there's so many. Like, I know it's kind of, like, more mainstream, and everyone's kind of seen it, but Clockwork Orange, I can watch that shit every day.
0: Yeah. Well, dude, whatever. I mean, fuck that. It's mainstream because it built itself there. I don't... Like Stanley Kubrick did all the artwork for that. I mean, there's so much to that movie. And it's so rad because, like... The every author that wrote a book, you know, even from uh Doctor Strangelove, like, they all hated <laughs> like Stephen King was like, He ruined my book. <laughs> I'm gonna make a better movie. And, <laughs> and uh the Anthony Bernays or whatever or Begay's, who wrote uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh he like fucking there's a actually Preface to the in his book that says like fuck you you know the movie was a botched job but dude you know Stanley Kubrick you know I dude I've read The Shining I think it's a great book I think it's brilliant but Stanley Kubrick made a movie that was also brilliant but different than the book you know I'll tell you this oh go ahead.
1: The character in the movie, Alex And if you guys haven't seen Clockwork Orange I mean, I doubt there's very many of you guys out there Who have not seen it, but do yourself a favor What's today, Thursday? It's the weekend, on Sunday if you have some free time Either Rent El Topo or Clockwork Orange The greatest fucking films ever made And the main character, Alex, he's timeless Like, when you watch him, he can fit into any Subculture, any decade And he's still that same character That guy that we all have within us and it's just uh, if you guys haven't seen it just watch it it's fucking an awesome movie
0: it's one of those things because like when you start to live like a little bit of a bad boy lifestyle because you went through a transition with your stuff Mm -hmm. right and it was like you're like you, you know you're doing something wrong or like pick or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. maybe it's like the first time you steal something or whatever but you do uh-huh. something like in pick-up it's, it's happened so many times like I'm sure to you and, and to me it's just like you're with a girl and it's just crazy and you're like oh yeah clockwork orange uh-huh. <laughs> you know you're like oh yeah
1: there was one is- night, dude, you know, that I felt like Alex, and I've I've told this story. I wrote about it. I'll make it kind of quick, but there was no, one night where um, I met this girl over at the Saddle Ranch and Universal CityWalk. Yeah. And there's all kinds of girls that are like, you know, exclusive Hollywood clubs. Okay, only certain kind of girls can get in there. Saddle ranch, anything goes. You fucking have your frumps. You got it's a mix, it's a mishmash of every kind of girl you can imagine, right? So I meet this girl who's kind of older than me, and I pull her back to her house in North Hollywood, and I bone her, and her friend is actually like her house guest. And when I got done with her I came out I'm going back to my car Thinking okay I'm going back home After I finished fucking The first girl I talked to her friend And tell her to come with me To my car And I fuck her too Using the same condom That I fucked the other chick Dude. with And while I'm doing that The the theme song The, the, the song wow. Beethoven, we where he's having that threesome and they're playing that funny uh, classical music sped up. Yeah, like dude, like, that was my, my motivation for to keep going because I was fucking tired. I had a limp dick. I'm fucking drunk. I, I lived at that time in Montclair and I'm in Hollywood. Wow, and right wow. And I'm fucking living like <laughs> like fucking Alex, dude.
0: Wow, wow, dude. <laughs> Montclair is far, man. Because that's yeah. like the freeway system in L. A. It's like so. some stuff is just so out of the way, including Montclair, dude. You just have yeah. to go way the fuck out there to get there. It's, it's pretty
1: close to the desert, so man, yeah. it's
0: way out there. But, dude, but see, that's the thing, and I think that's the beauty of those things is people think that they they have to be bad in order to have life experiences. When you got to realize it's like... You know, life is this thing that in order to grow, chaos is going to happen. You know, like a plant is going to grow and rip itself apart as it grows. When you're born, birth is such a crazy, fucked up thing. You know, there's going to be pain, you know? The shit that happens, like, Like what Kevin was telling me, you know, if you only focus on it as evil, if that's all you can see, you are taking yourself out of the beautiful orchestration of life, and when you start thinking that the bad things that happen to you define life rather than have it be an event of life, then it's like, I don't know, man, it fucks everything up.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of hard to separate the two and get into that mind frame and, and stick with it. You know, it's so easy to revert back and kind of blame your past and things like that. Because I, I still go through that, you know, to this day. Like, everyone thinks, okay, if you've been in the game and, you know, pick up for a certain amount of years, you're untouchable. Nothing can affect you. You're always feeling positive and stuff. And, dude, I have days where I still feel like shit, where I just want to stay home and put the blanket over my head and not even deal with the world, you know, even to this day. And that's after. Fuck yeah. All my shit, you know, and that's normal and I admit it to you because it's, it's normal and I'm not going to bullshit you and neither is Steve. I mean that's just being a human. That, that's the way we are
0: well that I think that's one of the best parts about the industry is that like you know people like there's no there was no definition you know so it's like when you were having sex well it's like well do the bad because that's what you're supposed to do and, you, and I'm not saying that there's like a bad or good but we had to think that it was like we were doing wrong and so we were like the devious angels or some shit Yeah, very subversive kind of thing yeah yeah and then when you're feeling pain you're like well fuck dude I'm feeling pain shit what do I do okay I'm gonna keep it a secret because you're supposed to be alpha and when right. it comes down to it man it's like you know, here's my answer that I came up with for myself. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to master life. I don't want to master seduction. I don't want to say that I have like the authority. I'm, I'm a slave to it, man. It's something bigger than me, and I got to be humble to it. And I, you know, I, I get upset, dude. I, I, I'll tell you this, man. I um, have had like a lot of relationships through the years, but I've had one. There are two women that changed my life sexually for, uh, you know, my entire definition. And one is Julia, that chick who worked at Florentines. They're in Tuscany. And uh, she, she was amazing. I, I had so much anger and rage, and she took all of it. You know, she would tell me that I, I'm the only person still to this day that, who's having sex with her that would be crying while having sex with her, or vomiting, or, or be so drunk, or passing out. And like, just such a chaotic lifestyle. And, Right. You know, maybe she was a little bit crazy to be with me, but she's actually, I mean, she's got a pretty good life, man. She's like this new age whatever, you know, super whatever thing. But um, she actually said I was the best person she ever had sex with until she had sex with a, uh, like, <laughs> spiritual leader or something, I forget, you know. Uh, it wasn't you're even... like, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she said, like, tantra people weren't even as, so I was like, yeah. Anyway, but she she then said somebody else took the prize. But then there's the girl that I met right when I got sued uh, who's I'm uh, still with and just um, amazing you know we've had like other relationships in the past and like we we were actually going to get married and I pussied out and I guess like if you ever you know have reservations about getting married you probably shouldn't get married right. so you know we both you know that upset her like and, you know she's been dude and she's been dating a pickup guy you know for fucking four years you know four plus are you years are still with her now yeah. yeah. yeah 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 okay. Well, you know, and we we don't live together, and uh, so she'll date other people, and I'll date other people. Dude, fucks with me. Well, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Fucks with me massively more now than it did before. You know, like, it's so quick. because we would date other people, and I'd, like, you know, she has so many opportunities, because she's a girl, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, dude, you know, I, I would have so many mother, other, like, liaisons or just fucking or whatever with people, and, like, dude, like, she put up with so much shit, and, uh...
1: Is she the one from your Facebook pictures where, where she was kissing uh, something that got hurt of yours? That you My ear, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I remember, okay.
0: Yeah, so, um, Yeah, she's beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah, and you know the thing is, is what what's with her is she is, uh, she's like one of the best people I know, I mean she's just, it's, it's, first off at that point, and you've been here before, where I've had like lay after lay after lay, that at one point I was like, I don't even know if sex is good anymore, you know, like I don't even know if I can get like I like it did I like it in the past did I like it before the community like this is just weird it's like I'm jerking off yeah
1: it's a bizarre thing if you like you look at it for what it is you know
0: dude I went with her and I met her and it was amazing we just like fucking we for like 10 days straight we had sex and it was like beautiful it was fucked up it was crazy it was like awesome you know it was unreal and you know that was four years ago, and then since then like sex has changed is like really like normal thing, but it's still great dude and, but that made me realize like i it was like oh wait the you know this is where i you know I'm so passionate about like dude, I was under the illusion that i uh you know fucking god dude I, you know that uh, like sex was bad. Like it was just because I was so angry that I couldn't separate it. You know, it was like all these things were fucking a part of my my sex life. So that's why I. I that's what I loved about the community because like it was guys like Jason Savage, man, you know, or, or my porn friends or who, there were a few other people, you know, that really kind of made a lot of sense and, and helped me and owe my sanity to in in terms of sexuality. Like I, I'm not a religious person, but I would say that if I had a form of prayer and meditation, it would be through sex, you know, and, and and through socializing with people, the belief in human connection and how much that can change people. But, uh, but yeah, she She's she's an amazing person. But for years, I was so like, man, she's not hot enough. She's like a, a mellow, frumpy girl. She's like, dude, in real life, I like traveling around and being kind of like mellow and just doing my own thing. But in my other life, you know, I'm supposed to be fucking all these hot chicks. Dude, I fucked... Two years ago, I remember I went and, like, dated heavily, traveled, went on trips, and still have done that more recently with girls who had money, who were, like, hotter, who were more established, had more clout, all this sort of stuff. Dude. And every time, it was, like, within a week, maybe within two weeks, it was, like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I've, I've, I had what I wanted, and now I'm denying it because I'm insecure. Holding out for something more that might not even exist, right? Well, it's, yeah, and and sadly, it's like, what is holding out? I can't be, you know, this is the thing. We are obsessed with what we want. And it's good to know what you want. But it's not, it's almost never the answer, what you want. And it's not about getting what you want, it's about wanting what you have. And that is such a fucking thing that nobody gets. And that's like those those dudes that like Kevin or Eric Everhart or some of these like fucking geniuses who... Uh, you know, you meet, you know, and that that's like, you know, one of the things of like your show is like you're putting out a message which is so important, man. You you dude, you could sit there and say, Well, yeah, I a couple times I wanted to make some money or or whatever, dude. You think about any of those people and you see it happen, man, and I I hate to say it but like they're like think about all the guys who've spoke at your thing and who have just you've you have seen them change I mean you've seen Fuji change Fuji went from like being this guy like who's like meow sucks um, I'm just gonna go out there and teach and he's still you know he's still a good teacher he's teaching like pickup or whatever but he's like so aggressive and it's so different and I remember at the last 21 convention everybody was like dude man whoa You know, God, where where is this coming from? Like, I remember him speaking, and he was so like, "Dude, I just want to help you guys." Then it was like, "Buy my shit," or "You're gonna," you know. It's just so much more aggressive, and and that's just him trying out a different sales thing. But, dude, that shit you never did, you know. And that's Mm -hmm. that's different, you know. That's like when Alex from Clockwork Orange, when you've never had these experiences with sex, and you just want to play you know, and do it because, and you're going to follow a different role model, you know, right? and should we have guilt and shame over that, no man, experience is king, you know, experience is what is necessary, and if you're afraid of that shit, then, uh, you know, fuck well, it. I think a lot
1: of my, my close friends, a lot of the guys that have been in the crew for a while, whenever I do business stuff or, you know, commissions or whatever, they since they know me they look the other way they're like okay you know what he he has to do what he has to do and he works hard at what he does and it's not easy Doing a lot of this stuff, like, you know, maintaining the website even, you know, there's all these weird administrative problems that comes up sometimes, like, okay, I can't send somebody a PM, or they can't post attachments,
0: like, little prompts like dude, that fucking add up. Shut and the I fuck up, man. I remember I sent you 50 bucks once, and you were like, dude, dude, and I'm like, really? <laughs> like, every instructor should be sending you, like, way more than that, <laughs> like... Yeah, but, and then everyone thinks, like,
1: oh, Jay the Ripper's making all this money, you know what, I... I I very proudly, I, I, I work at a kiosk at the mall, and I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. I, I work hard, and I don't cheat anybody, and I'm fair, and I like my job, and I like piercing people, and I like what I sell, and I like interacting with them. And for me, at this point in my life, I feel comfortable. I'm my own boss. I don't have coworkers, and I feel like that's an accomplishment. A lot of people have jobs that they fucking hate. They can't stand, and they have to live through that shit every fucking day. And I know, like, like the the midget from France, you know, puts me down for for what I do for a living, and a lot of guys like look down on me. But, but why? You know, what a terrible I god! But, dude. I'm, I'm making a good living. Like right now, I'm talking to you. I have a brand new MacBook Pro. I have a fucking 54 inch TV, and I earned it. I fucking paid for it. Yeah. Not all of it. I'm still paying it on be... credit, but I will own it someday.
0: Well, whatever, man. Why should there be shame in that? And that's what I don't understand. It's like mm. the and you you sit here and you're still kind of like. Well, yeah, you know, I've done some stuff, but dude, man, like every other person would have done the wrong thing in your situation, and it's... It, it's cool, man. More people should. You're sitting here saying like everybody should know more about Captain Jack. I agree with you, man. He he was my mentor, and I'm still loyal to him, doing his thing. And I still
1: listen to his old teleconferences on my my iPod sometimes. Like when I have to drive to LA to pick up merchandise for my store, like I'll listen to his old shit. And like there's one funny one where Megatron's actually one of the callers, dude. Really? Like I forget which one it was, but I, I I listen to that regularly. I mean,
0: yeah, I should hit him up. He lives in Austin. Nah. But, uh, dude, if you can get him to come to
1: our thing dude I'll make a spot for him if he's down I mean he's been gone for a while and
0: you know I'll, I'll try to dude that guy's a cool guy cause he came out here and you know he hit some walls and he just worked and he, you know he's just such a humble guy and <laughs> I remember in, in California he was like you know I'm trying to write and all this stuff he was just such a cool dude he met Kevin he hung out with Kevin the, the hitch writer but um
1: I want to let everybody know who who doesn't know about Captain Jack who, who maybe just joined the the pickup scene and, uh, and Steve, you can help me out here, but the reason why this guy's famous what makes him unique out of anybody else Is that he learned pickup out of necessity Because I think for a time he was homeless He was living in his car Or he didn't have a car And he actually had to game these girls And he had to learn same night lays Because he had nowhere to sleep that night
0: Dude his first he was divorced And he got really screwed And he was living at his mom's or something And he uh his first Like well not his first But one of his first lays This is like in the first five After he started focusing on game He took the girl to a a hotel and the fireman woke him up at the hotel banging on the door um, because there was a car on fire in the parking lot and it was his car. Dude, oh, shit. That's Jason was so in. He, he he learned mystery method and but he also studied like speed seduction, all this stuff, and he mixed it all and he came up with something that was so different and efficient and and, and nothing else like it. He took something which was so original nobody in fact everybody called it a fool's mate or one night stand and the reason why he titled it same night lay was because he didn't want it to be one night stand game because that had a bad connotation in the industry Mm -hmm. so he came up with it but he came up with it on his own and people shamed him i mean at the time jt was in dallas and he was known uh brock playboy right yeah 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 brock who uh Uh, I forget his pickup name, Jesus Christ, but he he worked for Venusian Arts for a little while, Um, and he still might or something, I don't know. He got married and then divorced and tried to come back in the game, but he... uh they were the guys in Dallas, and then Jason came along and was like, "Hey, well, I want to learn." And you know, he's just some dopey dude. And then he figured it out. He figured out something that was so clean. And then he he posted two SNLs on the forum, and Sin was like, "This guy's full of shit." So he started talking to him, and he Sin was like, "Well, I think he might be for real. I'm actually going to take a chance, you know, and fly him out to a workshop." And Jason fucked a chick that night in a way that Sin had never seen before, and. And then the second workshop Jason did was my workshop, and I saw him poll twice, and he was just a cool guy. He lived right next to me. I was This was in Arizona, but he lived in Dallas-Fort Worth. I lived in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I but did that's whatever.
1: You mentioned that he wrote two LRs, you know, lay reports, as they're known, right? Yeah. And back then in that time period, I mean, now things are different. You know, it's, it's not as big as it was back then, but back then, back in our day, if you wrote and now, Larry, everybody read it, and everybody believed in it. Like, it's not like now you write one, it's like you can take it or leave it. Like, these guys, it was very easy to, name, to make a name for yourself based on the reputation of your reports back then, and it meant something, whereas today, I don't think that there's the same impact as there was before.
0: Yeah, and Jason's were really good. Like, you got – it was exactly what he did, but the the mellowness was, like, something that you saw. So, actually, I'm like – I'm very happy because I saw him get laid so many times and, and uh, you know, I get it or I got it. And you know what's weird is there's actually a guy who was one of my students, one of Jason's students, one of everybody's students. He hired a bunch of people. He hired Nick, Nick Quick. Um, he, uh, he fucking, he's the only person who had never met or pulled he actually he did meet CJ but only talked to him. But had never seen CJ polichick who could pull a chick like CJ. And I thought that was so interesting from just reading his stuff and listening to his stuff, that it was this real smooth, like nonchalant, carefree, like, Hey yeah, okay. Oh yeah, you know, this shy kind of like you know, he's taller than me. A lot of people are taller than me. But he was, like, taller than me, but he was fatter. You could tell he was, like, one of those fat kids that was shy. Yeah. And he'd just be like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. So those are, those are some crazy rings you have on your finger. You know, he's just mellow. And, dude, he fucking... That was always the thing, man. Jason, see, when I was like, I'll be your bitch, you know, sin, terrible role model to follow. But, you know, not a bad guy. Like, in comparison, sin, like, if we'd go on a workshop, he would cover our expenses. You know, we worked for him, and we didn't get paid. He'd cover our expenses, buy us food, and put us in a good hotel. And he was like, man, Matador and Love Drop would always screw me over, whoever, you know, I, I appreciate it, da, da, da Thompson, Future, was always really cool with that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Jason, CJ, was an amazing role model. You know, so he never took advantage of you.
1: Well, what does he do now like does he have a regular job or yeah i don't like.
0: he worked with my buddy we had a mutual friend a mutual client and jason jason is so genius that if you hang out with him you'll see how brilliant he is and he kind of puts us all to shame in certain ways you know and you know some people click better with than others and it, it's kind of like what i would say you know, you're saying, like, Nick Rogue, and there's, there's not a comparison. It's that they have a, a similar titled thing, but right. they have genius in different ways. And so what people who really knew Jason well, um, they were like, oh, my God. And uh, he worked with that guy for a while. This dude has uh, – he's a very wealthy man and has a lot of businesses. And Jason helped him out. And, uh, you know, Jason went a separate way. He uh, He does his own thing, and I don't want to – I, You know, I look up to Jason in terms of pickup, and that's about it. But not to say that he's living a bad life, but... I I learned so much from him there, but like in terms of life and happiness, he was a guy always searching for that. And uh, you know, I just found other people that that have that. But I'll I'll say this: that he's he's a great dude, you know, a great overall guy. And what he came up with in dynamics with women and how that women thought sexually while still being a good person, you know, not being a sleazebag, were unbelievable. And if he talked to me today about women, I would listen. But I'll tell you this, man. an hour of okay, – I trained with – I did a podcast with this guy who uh, is, a, is a martial arts instructor of mine, and he learned under a guy named Paul Vunak, who's legendary. He trained the CIA, uh, Navy SEALs, and my buddy Ed, my trainer, helped out about training too, and, uh, and he's a legit – martial arts guy and Vunak learned from uh, Dan Asano who learned from Bruce Lee now Vunak also learned jujitsu from Hicks and Gracie this is all martial arts I don't know if you give a shit but he said I, I
1: like watching MMA I like UFC
0: he said man if I had a chance to go back in time and learn from Bruce himself and from, or from Hicks and Gracie, I would choose Hicks and Gracie. And, you know, we're talking about pickup artists here, but if I, I had the opportunity to train with CJ, but I would spend an hour of time with Jason Savage over 10 hours with captain Jack. That is in captain Jack blows everyone away. But that's just how amazing Savage is. And Savage is one of these guys that he lived it man he's had so much fucked up chaos and beauty that has come out of it and it still can confuse him at times and uh you know and terrence dude terrence who was just in my house you know I, i'm fortunate every day of my life that i hang out with a guy like that because he i, I don't know, know you guys were friends yeah yeah uh, cool you, you know you remember that uh uh uh, podcast uh, that, there, or it wasn't podcast it was just me and Terrence and Savage and it's one of the best recordings ever that that I've ever done that I'm really happy of is that on your site can people go back no I gotta I gotta put it up though because it's three hours of awesome man and okay. uh I dude, check it out that I, I sent it to you a long time ago and you were like hey this Terrence guy is cool but um he uh. he was just at my house today and I have podcasts with him that guys can check out on my site and dude dude I, th- I shit you not. This was like two weeks ago. We recorded at my house. He made me look like a bitch, and he didn't try to. He made my friend look more like a bitch, but he was like, "Shut the fuck up." This is what it is. Terence is just one of those like fucking brilliant guys. And sad to say, man, people that I know, like in the whole realm of like you know personal development or spirituality, they won't do podcasts because they're like, we don't real real happiness in life can't be like advertised and commoditized or whatever. And you know it's kind of like old school pickup, like it has to be underground. And that's yeah. not to be—that's not to be that it needs to be secret. Everybody can always access it, but the celebrity of it is what kind of kills it. And those people, man, I, I, like fuck, you know that's like that's the fucking the fucking giants in my world, you know? So, but anyway, I don't know, man. I, you know, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, dude, I it'll be cool to see where you go and do stuff. And, you know, uh, you know, I live in Texas and you're over there and it's always like busy. It's tough to touch base, but yeah, dude, yeah. you said you were doing that fucking, um, what am I call it? I was like, you know, that seminar. I'm like, hell yeah, you know. And I think that and I hope that people get to see the person behind the scenes, you with it, rather than the instructors coming to speak because that's like, that's bullshit, you know. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm making sure definitely it's not going to be a pitch fest like like some other events are, and everyone's just kind of happy to be involved and that there's an alternative to. You know, the other event that, that used to go on down here So they're, they're happy that someone else is kind of stepping up and willing to organize it So, you know, I'm looking forward to your speech and everybody else And seeing you, again. I haven't seen you in a couple of years I think the last time I saw you was uh, Casanova Fest uh, 2011 yep.
0: And Terrence Thames was there
1: Yeah, I, I think that's when I met him for the first time <laughs> Terrence. Maybe I met him before, but he, uh, he's, he's a really cool dude too
0: He's such a smooth guy
1: yeah. He's really good friends with uh, Eric Everhart, too.
0: Well, dude, he's Eric Everhart's mentor. Yeah, Did you know that? That's fucking crazy. Eric Everhart hired this, like, <laughs> dude that's like, as ah, fucking, I, I still can't believe it. I'm always like, what? Because Terrence and I, we used to be, Eric, Terrence, and myself were all in the same entrepreneur group together. But Terrence and I tried to start a separate group, and I just didn't have time for it and flaked out on him. So I, I got to talk to him at some point. But Eric is, uh, you know, Eric's a good dude, so um and terrence is a good dude terrence is a very brilliant guy for being actually he's not that young he's not old either but you know he's Mm -hmm. like our age he looks young yeah he looks Uh young but he's really dude that guy in terms of like life coach stuff is Mm -hmm. really on like he's very known he's very considered he's very established you know it's
1: kind of a different genre than than the pickup artist stuff because there's like these other types of, like, not gurus, but they teach different things, but similar to kind of pick up stuff.
0: Dude, and I'll tell you what, man, and this is, what, dude, Hypnotica, man, what's up? Just, I read the last chapter in his book, and I'm like, it doesn't say anything about Casanova really. <laughs> Maybe I missed it, I don't know, maybe it's the second he, He's spoken
1: last. for us, I, I get along with Eric, we, we talked uh, the other day, I invited him to come to our seminar, and he was cool enough, we talked for about an hour, and he explained why he couldn't be there, and it had nothing to do with me, or or anything like that regarding Casanova crew, but it was certain people there that he didn't want to associate with or have his name tied to, so I understand that, and he sent me his book, he autographed it and stuff, and awesome book, and, um, He's one of my favorite guys in the scene. He's a straight shooter, so.
0: Yeah, I interviewed him. But, dude, I'll tell you what, man. His book is, like, I love listening to him, and I love talking to him. And it's always, <laughs> like, I, I shut the fuck up and listen. You know, he's one of those guys. But, dude, his book, is it shows a completely different side, and I really I really dig it.
1: It, it so. sucked to me, and I liked the, one of the, the first stories when he was a little kid putting the rocks, the rocks. in his underwear.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> he called them the, the, the Panamanian rocks, and he told me once, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, he was going to go speak for uh, for spear and vince and this is when we're you know really feuding and stuff and i'm like yeah when you see spear open up his fucking underwear and put a bunch of panama rocks in there and throw them off a cliff
0: <laughs> <you know? laughs> hey what so what you actually maybe we should talk off the air about it but you were saying that like there was some like threat or some shit that came well i don't know if you're if the, you're going you to mean the gun
1: that's that yeah i with this gun
0: what what is that
1: he, uh, there. I wanted. To, well, they. They try to. I don't want to like you know talk about it too much. But everybody knows the story. They try to steal Casanova crew from me. They called their their forum the Real Casanova Crew, and it's kind of pathetic, you know. They have to steal different ideas; there. they don't have nothing original. They have to take, you know, the old idea of Project Hollywood, and then trying to take my shit, you know. And everybody, you know, thought that was fucked up and weird too. Like, why would you even do that? Everybody knows what Casanova Crew everybody is. Everybody
0: who's not in the pickup scene must be going, "Why would anybody get involved in this with these weird ass people?" Yeah.
1: <laughs> but... And then, and, and, you know, I'm texting with this guy. I'm like, you know what, man? Uh, it it, made, it. It took me to the point where I had to take $400 out of my own pocket and learn how to get a trademark. I I never knew how to do it. I had to get a legal Zoom account, and they did it for me. So in a couple months, Castanova Crew will be my official trademark that I own. God, so weird, dude. Yeah, and I I never even thought about doing something like that. It's just what we called it, okay? It started off as Club Castanova, and then we thought, okay, Castaneda Crew sounds cooler, and that was our name. So they're trying to jack it, pass it off as their own, and I got pissed off. I'm defensive over that shit. You know, it's my baby. I started it. And I told him to take the shit down, and I, I forget what, what Led to him saying about the gun, but I, I put it on my website. I, I took a screenshot off my iPhone, and I put – he says uh, that if I have a problem, then maybe I should ask a mutual friend of ours about the gun that he carries around. And I just thought that was kind of – like, Dude. really? Like a gun? Like, what am Fucking I guy, like, get scared and, like, oh, I'm sorry. That guy,
0: like, because <laughs> like, wasn't his story that he was just a drug dealer for, like, mystery in them when he, in Miami, you know? Yeah, And then yeah, like that is, true. Is, is he, he from, homeless, like, is free, he's Israeli?
1: Yeah, he just uh, went to, to Israel to go visit his home country.
0: So I used to live, I used to live with an Israeli girl, and, uh... Dude, I know so many Israelis. I'm not Jewish. You know, any of that stuff. And that's interesting. You date an Israeli and you're not Jewish and you're not Israeli. Dude, fuck. Uh, He is the biggest pussy Israeli I've ever met. Like, I would think he because he's got like that weird gay lisp and like, you know, have you had much conversation with him or interacted with him much? No, no, Eh. no, Just, just a few times then. Yeah, but he—he's like effeminate, and dude, yeah. Israeli men are fucking badasses. Like, God. That is true. A lot of the club promoters in
1: Hollywood are Israeli, and these are cutthroat, badass motherfuckers. That'll. Yeah. They, they have like, if they wanted to, that they would know about hiring a hitman and then going after somebody. My Israeli
0: so. ex-girlfriend went up to Leota Machida right after he won a fight, knocked the guy out. <laughs> And, and I was like that's Leota Machida that's Leota Machida and she goes she goes why do you care why do you care Steve what the fuck Fuck. Like, you should be coming to you fuck you and like all this stuff and I'm like oh, feeling all good but I'm like no it's Leota Machida she went up to him at his table with like you know 16 people or whatever she gets her finger and points it into his like neck and it's like excuse me sir excuse me you need to stand up now please what the fuck she owns a kiosk she owns kiosks and uh she's like excuse me stand up stand up right now this is my boyfriend he is you know like all you know wanting to meet you i don't know why you know, this guy just knocked somebody out man we saw the fight yeah. we were there you know? well, what's, what's your reaction are you like embarrassed like oh what the fuck is this yeah well Machida was so nice he was like oh okay cool you know and I'm like hey I'm half Japanese he's like oh you too and uh, uh-huh. I'm like I know two words in Portuguese so, you know like so, Nice. And he's just laughing he's just real cool and his brother like took pictures of us and you know all this sort of stuff but she was just like are you happy now Jesus why do I have a bitch for a boyfriend you know she's uh... it's, like, totally Totally. She was so fucking, but you know, Israelis are t- I knew so many, you know, and I, I went and they own a restaurant now too in mm-hmm. Dallas. And I just went there, uh, like two, three weeks ago and, uh, got to see them. And you know, she has a baby now and all that sort of stuff.
1: They're but, very hardcore people though, the way they are, especially yeah. when they get pissed off. I know no
0: fucking around, man. And what is up with like the way that he interacts is not. Israeli. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's just so hard to believe. Yeah, I guess I don't know what's up with that shit. He, he, he has on his uh, LinkedIn
1: account. they one of those things that he was a producer for the movie uh, Transporter with Jason
0: Statham. Yeah, well, good for him. Uh, yeah, that's kind of okay. Yeah, you know, and that's another one of those things. Like, I'm a movie producer. He remember his videos that he would put, and he'd be on a yacht. Or something in
1: Miami. <laughs> like Miami Vice or something from that would have been cool in the 80s. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Dude, and, and it was just so poorly done. It's like you do not direct movies, man. Yeah. So.
1: Steve, I wanted to ask you, um, unrelated to, to all this stuff, um, what's your favorite movie of all time?
0: You know, like, just like you said, that's a tough question. <laughs> okay, so... Um, uh, there's, there's a couple. One, I, I'm kind of, like, I worked as a light designer, so I really like aesthetics, so, um, uh-huh. one is In the Mood for Love, but it's hard for me to sit through that all the time, because it's Never still, seen
1: it, In the Mood for Love?
0: Yeah, Christopher Doyle did the cinematography, it's Juan Car Wai, so he's a... Well, Chris, what
1: year did it come out?
0: Uh, 2002, maybe, maybe 1999, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Um, but... Yeah, in the mood for love is aesthetically amazing, and the way they shot it was—they wrote the script for that day too. The, if you read up about the director, he's fucking nuts, um, but brilliant. There's also—I uh, I, don't—you know—one of the movies that just keeps coming to my head, but it's in the top five, but not. I don't know if it could be the best, but it's one called Head On and I mm-hmm. it's about uh it's Gergen Divan in German or however they say it. And is actually it a German movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about Turks. Never heard of it. Wow. It's Turks in Ger- Germany. And uh you should watch it and the reason why I like it is because I actually dated I dated a Persian girl for a long time. <laughs> and uh she uh, it was hard, you know, and she had her family and, and uh, I had, you know, I'm an American That's a big guy. thing
1: for them is the family and race and, then yeah, uh,
0: and, and of course, are tough. these are like, a totally different culture, Turks in Hamburg, in Germany, and but it just you could get the weird relation to that. And that movie, it's interesting because that director always makes these crazy ass movies. That was, I think, his first movie. He won the Golden Bear for it. And the lady who uh, Cibelle, her real name Sibel but in the movie it's Sibel she was had done porn before, and so she was a Turkish girl who had done porn, and nobody knew about it. Nobody knew. The director didn't know. They did the movie. She turns out to get all this press and uh. she won the Golden Bear you should look up her speech because it's basically like she got rejected by her family and by everybody because it came out that she did porn and her speech is like it's in German but it's like well fuck you you know wow and I'll she's, check it out head on right yeah I think she's the only actress to win two Golden Bears for best actress wow so she's like a she's proved herself is like very legitimate but she had a rocky past that's one movie that I really really like but it's you know and then there's a couple uh, i mean you know you should watch this mexican movie called daniel and anna totally oh, is that one the brother and sister in yeah. the box yeah 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 yeah, yeah. They, they get
1: put in weird positions
0: yep yeah
1: yeah dude i <laughs> yeah. we have the same taste dude have you heard of a trash humpers no uh, remember remember the movie from the 90s called kids
0: yeah, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, the, that's a Corrine. classic,
1: right? Casper and Telly and those characters. Yeah. The guy who, who wrote that, he was a kid himself named uh, Harmony Corinne. Harmony Gummo. Yeah.
0: yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay,
1: so in his recent movie that he just made, and I, I get curious about him every couple of years, you know, I, I look him up to see if he put out anything new. Because yeah. I love fucking kids. Actually, that that's one of the movies in my top five, also. And I think Casper in yo, that movie man, is yo, like yo. A Alex.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Casper. And, it's and I Casper, love those, those
1: Casper you. <laughs> yeah, he, he's the guy that ended up fucking the girl with AIDS. Which you can't. It's
0: very difficult to get HIV that way. To, uh, <laughs>
1: now they know. If you guys haven't seen kids, fucking Casper is an icon. But so anyways, Harmony Corinne released this movie maybe like a year or two ago, Trash Humpers. And what's cool about this one is... Um, The cinematography, what what this guy did was to give it that authentic, uh, subversive, uh, snuff film kind of look. He used an old 80s uh, camcorder. At the film it, he used worn out VHS tape that had been recorded on over and over again. So when you watch it, it's like so fucking, like it's like a documentary. Wow. And and the the opening credits, it's like those block letter, uh, like Atari looking
0: 80s font. Dude, and fucking. the whole the whole movie shot that way. So, like the normal person who's
1: used to Hollywood movies, they, they could not sit through one minute of the the quality. I guess they would say it was just it looks staticky, grainy. But when you watch it, it's like fuck. I know what he's doing. I know what frame of mind he wants me to be in when I watch this, and it it's, it's up there, dude. I, if if you have time, check it out, dude. Try yeah, it
0: no, definitely, it. dude. If it, you seen the on movie? Netflix,
1: I had to torrent that off some kind of German uh, website too. But
0: awesome, it's it's fucking awesome, dude. Have you seen the movie Red, White, and Blue? It was shot in Austin. Um, how long, what year did it come out and was in it? Kind of recent, and nobody you would know is in it, but my friend told me to watch it. He's he's one of my best friends, dude, who, uh, you know, he's a war vet, and, uh, you know, it's so funny. When I lived in California, I worked for KPFK, which is, like, the super liberal, radical, like, radio station. Couldn't even call it liberal. It's, like, revolutionary. But, uh, um, anyway, the, uh... Uh, then I'm like my best friend is like a war vet you know Or in Texas you just meet so many people with a different mindset and you know whatever like we don't really talk politics but he's more like anti-government as well now but at the time or whatever you know he can speak for himself but he gives me the most fucked up movies because he's seen so much fucked up shit but he told, he told me about Daniel and Anna but he told me about red white and blue I watched this movie there's all this sex in the beginning and it has to do with like HIV and sex or whatever too but there's all this sex there's all this sex and I'm like dude man what's up you really recommend this movie it's cool you know there's all this sex he's like oh then you haven't gotten to it yet it gets so like like it's so awesomely violent man it's fucking great dude
1: can you get it like on Netflix it's easy to find. yeah it's on Netflix
0: whatever. red white and blue yeah find it yeah okay Yeah. Man man
1: like, from R.S.D. do you know man horror? yeah 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 he recommended a movie uh, from Japan called Chocolate. And I thought it was the Johnny Depp movie that, like, from yeah. years ago. But the, 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 that was my yeah. first thought. Ch- chocolate or whatever yeah. it was called. He's chocolate. like, no, no, this is nothing like that shit. This is the, this uh, little uh, Japanese girl who, she's autistic. And she watches a lot of kung fu movies, like, over and over again. So by watching it, she's so smart, like, autistically, that she learns mixed martial arts. And she just fucks up all the main jacuza leaders in Japan. And really? I, it sounds kind of cheesy, but watching it, it's like, you get into it, and it's like, holy fuck, like, you start rooting for her. Yeah. So if you haven't that one's on Netflix. That one's easy to find, too, so.
0: Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Dude, I've been looking, you know, you go through so many movies on Netflix, you're like, ah. <laughs> so now it's always good to have some more. But if I can find yeah. That, yeah. I, I got
1: hooked on the, the Mad Men series.
0: I haven't started it, man, just because everybody everybody gets hooked on it. But I will. I will. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Well, fuck, man. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta we gotta continue this conversation on your podcast. So that... <laughs> Definitely. Is,
1: is this your longest podcast? one on of hours.
0: Yeah, two and a half hours is the the longest one I've done. So I,
1: I'm the record holder for Altopo's uh, the yeah. sexual life podcast.
0: And in fact, uh, I don't know if I can import it into GarageBand. I think it has to be other- so big. Yeah, I think I'll have to chop it and then I'll keep it one as one thing. Cuz my favorite thing about podcasts is like it's like when you're listening to Seat Captain Jack stuff. You're listening to it in your car or whatever. And so I don't know. Well, when you started talking about the, the history, like all
1: the shit that i wanted to know about your history with the uh, you know Mystery Methods Void, like you, you've kind of hinted at it in Barry Kerchy's show on my show, but this is like this is a piece of history. This is like the definitive timepiece of what happened in that <laughs> time period from one of the dudes who was fucking there who knew Captain Jack, knew Sin back in the day and this historic shit like i i'm geeked out on the history of pickup like i've been around for 5 years and i know i you know i kept asking you dates like what year what month like i i have a mental
0: yeah totally totally you know what should happen dude fucking uh You know, Barry Kirky. What another fucking faggot. What a... Why? You know, and there's just a lost guy trying to find his way, man. You know? Remember the time that we fucked them over? Yeah. When we played
1: that voicemail?
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's like, what... Why, man? Why did he need to do that? You know, he... It's like, here's a guy dogging the scene, but he's playing to his own scene. Well, like you know and that's like uh, I don't know how you are with the Pick Up Podcast guys but my friend Gary who knows you Gary who lives in Fresno
1: mm-hmm. he oh
0: yeah that yeah that. With, with
1: the last name with the K
0: yep yeah, yeah 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 he is like he he's a good friend of mine man he's on like all my stuff and we were just talking about how life has changed and all that sort of shit and he was another guy who was like no dude you need to hang out with Jared he's he's a great guy and all this stuff but he was like oh yeah you know well like you should make your podcast like the Pick Up Podcast guys and I was like Dude, fuck them! Like, fuck those those bitches! Like, Jordan and AJ. yeah, and I don't I don't know them, but they mm-hmm. would call me and kiss my ass. They would mm-hmm. fucking, you know, like, uh, uh, like, dude, man, can you, we have a stack? Can we have like this and that? You know, dude, you know, you're the best. Blah 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 blah. As soon as I get on there, they're just like, you know, fucking harassing me on on their on the thing. Yeah. An ambush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I and I you know and I was like okay all right well whatever you can think this this wasn't what we talked about on the phone and then like they shit talked and then they hired uh, or they grew their company in Texas and their their Texas team would shit talk me and I'm like dude I'm like the nicest guys to your fucking layers like I'm always uh, how long ago
1: it. was this what year? Uh, I'd
0: say 2008. Okay. So 2008 so this before they turned oh. into Art of Charm that's the name of their company yeah now. it was right when they were switching so I'm like okay. yeah I, I'd love to have those bitches on because didn't those faggots also say that, the, that Hitch was based on them you know the, like the, what, what a bunch of like clowns you know and what the fuck do they do like my thing is and people you know in pickup like I was in the pickup scene you know and I got laid a lot and I ran with people who got laid a lot but what the fuck did they do man anyway whatever Mm -hmm. All right, yeah. We'll go. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta wait time for a no. long time. So let's, let's, did somebody hear a beep? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do it again. Let's do it again. But uh,
1: uh, dude, it was an honor, dude. Uh, thank you for, for shit, thinking man. of me to have me on.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, man. But yeah, uh, speaking of your thing, whatever. I'll, I'll talk about it on the lead-in and out of this stuff.
1: <laughs> no, it's okay. Whatever. Even if you don't, it's all good, man. I enjoyed, you know, this time talking with you. And you know, I knew you before, and we've been friends behind the scenes, and now like I feel like I know you better. And it's fucking been an awesome three hours, man. It's been my my pleasure, my honor.
0: Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah. All right, man. Well, it's my pleasure, my honor, all that stuff too, dude. It's really, really cool. <laughs> R- really cool. So I, I want to keep talking. You want to go? So fuck off.
1: <laughs> no, man, I just I, I gotta I gotta do some pricing on my shit and then I gotta go to sleep and I gotta do the, the fucking sales copy, the the sales report for no, the.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like 3 a.m. almost in Texas, and yeah. I don't really have a, a job that I have to wake up for, but you do. So
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm at yeah, it. but I, I, we didn't intend it on going three hours, but we fucking did, and I hope you guys enjoyed it, and, and thank you again for everybody listening, who, and high-five to everybody who listens to it the whole way through.
0: Hell yeah! Wait, wait, stay on one more minute, because now we're going to tell the secrets. Just joking. (laughs) All right.
1: Now now I'm going to tell you the real dirt about the the French midget from from over there.
0: Jesus Christ. That's just sad. Anyway, I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Peace. Take care, bro. Ciao.